0: into the
1: fire. Run.
0: Run. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast.
1: Frodo thought of Bilbo and his long friendship with the Dwarf, and of Barlin's visit to the Shire long ago. In that dusty chamber in the mountains, it seemed a thousand years ago, and on the other side of the world.
0: Fantastic. We're here again after another month-long break, but uh, things are looking up. How are you doing, Dan?
1: Yeah, not bad, not bad. The, the world is appearing to seem a little brighter, not just for the time of year coming after that winter. But, yes. You know, clocks go forward, is it, this weekend?
0: Yes, yeah. Clocks We're go
1: doing British summertime. <laughs>
0: Yeah, very excited to to lose an hour in the middle of the night, which is always good as a parent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Parents all (laughs) over the land (laughs) crying out at the clocks going forward. Um, Yeah, things are looking up a little bit, aren't they? At least in our little part of the world, we have to remember that We do have listeners all over the world. Um, We do. So, um, yeah, it's different for everyone around the world at the moment. And the world's not right, but um, our own uh, situation in the UK at the moment is looking a little bit more hopeful this summer anyway, and um, things start to to ease off very, very soon. In fact, by the time you're listening to this podcast, we're recording on the 25th of March, and by the time you listen to this, one more kind of level of restrictions comes off in four days' time. So the time you listen to it, you probably know we can um do a little bit more um i am being attacked by one of my cats at this point if you can hear that in the in the background some meowing then uh, apologize for that um yeah so should, let's talk about what we got coming up on the show dan what have we got coming up on the show
1: well we've got uh, our usual many meetings where we'll uh, catch up on all things that have been going on the last uh, you know month or so we have our Council of Elrond coming up with Barlin's Tomb. We uh, have gone through the scenario. Some of you may have seen Stu's awesome board, so we'll cover that in a bit more detail in a bit. The usual uh, heroic guest match, and then uh, we'll close up. Yes, we will. Right, we'll go for a short break now, and we'll come back with many meetings.
2: Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink.
0: And we're back for many meetings. I won't. Uh, I won't share with you lot what I've just been discussing with Dan in our in our thirty second break between uh, um, segments. Um, so Dan, we've already sort of talked a little bit about uh, that the UK things looking a little bit rosier. And it looks like we're going to be able to maybe start to spend a bit more time with people other than the people who live in our households and I gets easier and easier over the sort of spring period going into the summer but aside from that kind of stuff how have you been and what you've been up to
1: well uh yeah i been pretty good usual amounts of hobby uh doing bits and pieces uh, here and there which we'll come into mm-hmm. um to work occasionally i've I've been in my house (laughs) because it kind of is all we can really do at the moment although we have recently been allowed to go for a walk and sit on a bench (laughs) which is you know just as exciting as it sounds but uh, these small mercies they do actually make an awful lot of difference the old mental outlook so i have actually quite enjoyed doing a bit of that so
0: (laughs) it's been legal to sit down and have a coffee with one Mm. person that's not in your household, it's still socially distanced, of course. Otherwise all your outside activity had to be going to the work going to work grocery shopping or um or, or exercise. Or yeah, don't stop. <laughs> you know, if you which is um, it's quite hard when you've got kids sometimes and making them not stop. Um, so yeah, things are things are a little bit better. So should we talk about a bit of news before we get into um, your loads and loads of hobby for a month and i've done a bit more than i've had previously so um yeah what's what's the news dan what's the latest things at the moment
1: well by the time you'll be listening to this um tree beard quick beam the fangorn dice and the easterling uh, dragon cult acolytes will all be in people's grubby little mitts mm-hmm, they will everyone be. have them some people already have them and uh you know as steve who has the grubbiest of grubby mitts <laughs> has been painting tree beard recently uh, top Table Gaming and uh, Battle Streams in the Middle of Fame. Uh, I watched his video today. Mm. Now it's to Paint uh, Fangorn. He copied Peachy's uh, recipe from the Warhammer TV. Uh, uh, I've not watched either thing. of
0: those yet. That will be on my, um, my to do next week, I imagine.
1: Well, he did the build video, right. and every time he stuck a plastic model together with a bit of super glue, I was just incredulous. <laughs> but um, then I watched his, you know, basically copying Peachy video. Uh, uh, and he did a really good job of it, and it, His tribute looks fantastic. So, it.
0: Yeah, I'll have to watch those. I've not, I've not seen any of those videos. I'm sure someone else has got, I think Jeremy from the Green Dragon has got one. He's put a picture up. I don't know if he's built it or anything yet as well. And I'm, I'm sure that there's been a few more other preview copies and things that have gone out to um, YouTubers and painters out there. So we might well See quite a few videos over the over the coming weeks now. Um, yes. obviously, so we saw the one from, from HMV Workbench anyway, because that was that like, his his painted one when he takes his pictures with beautiful backdrops, doesn't it? These narrative pictures, mm. so to speak. He's had his for a little bit longer because they used his picture in some of the, the sort of advertising, didn't they, beforehand, some of the teasers and things. So, that he's obviously had his for a while, but I've not been over to his YouTube channel and seen whether he's put anything up there. Um but um, yeah, the, I'm sure we'll see quite a few of those popping up. I'm looking forward to mine arriving. Um, mine's all been pre-ordered, so I'm sure that will mine will be dropping on my doorstep soon. Um, I did put pre-order the tree beard and the dice actually from from Incarn Gaming. Um, Chip messaged me and said, "I've got I've ordered some. Do you want one?" I was like, "You definitely got them because I don't want any dice problems." And he was like, "Definitely got them." So um, mine's been ordered through there so no doubt he him or his wife, they're doing like local delivery services at the moment, will drop mine off on the on the weekend. Um but I I won't be I probably won't be building mine or painting mine for a while because it's part of that big display board I'm doing. So if I just go and build it I um I suppose I might, might be able to yourself. I might be able to build it. Actually, because I'm going to probably going to build it standard, um, but I won't be able to glue it to its base because of, of what I'm doing with the bases and things. But I might be able to treat myself to building it. But I've got so many projects on at the moment; it's not, it's not desperate. Um, but I will be, I will be starting work on that soon. But we'll save that for when we're talking about my hobby and things. Um, but yeah, really exciting to see those, see those out. Really, it's going to be. Um, Yes, see see a lot a
1: lot yeah, it's nice to see you in the community. I didn't I buy any. loads of but...
0: event armies, isn't there? Loads yes. and loads of them. I think When I originally had my idea, I think that was before... Was it before we knew... I suppose we knew we were going to get new resin ones because they promised that they'll always match the the new profiles, but we didn't know whether we were getting new tree beards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that idea obviously got postponed as COVID happened. So I think by the time, mine actually make it... Away from home, by the time I've done my display board, there's going to be a lot of uh, Fangorn lists around, which is great. Which is really good. Um, and what else? Uh, you got? You've put something else up there. Another little bit of news. Is that yes? Is,
1: um, well, we've got a lovely shout out from the Two Ps in a Podcast podcast. Uh, very that, nice of those two chaps. Um, is that they're one, listening to.
0: Or did we? Or did we not mention on the last podcast? I can't remember.
1: Uh, I don't think we mentioned it.
0: Uh, okay, I thought that was. It's probably because it was maybe not long after we recorded the last yeah, show when I very thought, close. I thought well, I read that. And I thought, oh, is that another one? Have we mentioned again? But no, I did go and listen to the to the podcast. It's a really good podcast, actually. I hadn't listened to them before.
1: Um, no, it's a, general,
0: did I. it's a general podcast, isn't it? We've really talk talked about lots of different stuff, but it's just really well put together, and they've got a really nice kind of. I don't know. Um, Rapport are clearly good friends, and it, and it works. It's really listenable. Um, and I found it, yeah, I found it really interesting. I listened to the whole thing. I thought, yeah, that's really good, even though they were about things I wasn't playing at the moment. I do listen. I do keep my eye on the wider gaming community, even though I'm only playing kind of two game systems and um, only one from GW at the moment. I do keep an eye on stuff just because... I paint lots of different stuff for work. So it's good to have an idea of what's happening in the wider community. So I find it really interesting anyway. So I'm going to, I'm subscribed. I might well keep listening to them. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I've picked up a couple uh, of the older ones and then they've released one since then that I've listened to as well, which was good. Really enjoy them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely worth checking them out. I don't know if there's a link, in there. you pop a link in the in the notes down, and we'll make sure that um, people can just do lazy and click straight from the notes in this if they want to. Especially if you're in your iTunes app or something like that, you click, that you look, scroll up on the see our show notes and click on the link and give them a subscribe.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me. I can uh, always get that done. Uh, finally, of the main news, yes, my Galadrim raffle has uh, has ended. So, um, well, the uh, period in which the Just Giving page was up for donations has ended, and therefore the opportunities to enter the raffle has ended. So uh, without further ado, uh, I managed to raise £1,152 with the help of a wonderfully generous community. So thank you to every single person who uh, donated or shared the, the post or... Basically, if offered, you know, well wishes, based anything that uh, was generally positive in regards to it, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, that's a absolutely incredible amount of money. Um, you've done an awesome job organising that and putting your own things up for raffle um i was going to pr- find the applause button then but then i wasn't quite sure what it was going to be and if i got the wah, wah, wah one it would have probably <laughs> sounded really bad so i found I just left it um but yeah you've done an incredible job with that dan um i mean i've i've, I've done nothing you know, this is all dan this is dan's models this is dan's initiative he's um gone ahead there and decided to um to do this for for a, a cause that's close to both our hearts but something i know dan is a it's a it's a charity that you've done stuff for before isn't it Dan and um uh, yeah absolutely incredible amount of money so thank you everyone who has donated and everyone that's kind of got involved and shared it and got behind it because yeah I don't I don't think either of us expected that kind of money I think your goal was what was your goal 300
1: 365 pounds because it was going to be one pound for every day yeah, in lockdown because it ran from the 23rd of Feb to the 23rd of March which was when it got announced last year.
0: That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I just insane, um, I, fantastic, and I uh, well, we it's made us think about doing some more stuff, and we have we have something potentially penciled in for later in the year. Um, so I think we will continue to to do things every now and then to to raise some money for the charity because it just shows that, that even with a, a, a moderate sized audience that we have. Um, it just shows you can make a difference and um, to do something like that. We won't always be giving away um, expense for lots of models because um, we can't, you know, we will run out of armies if we do that. And I don't want to give any, my, any of my armies away, but um, um, we have a plan for something later in the year, but we won't go into details yet in case it, it can't happen the way we want it to, but um, we do have a plan for something exciting in the autumn. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Dan, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to just just say about that to 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 finish off that. I know I sort of was rambling on, but I was just so impressed with what you did. And um, I well, I
1: figured it might be a it. bit of fun to hit the random number generator. Uh, that would help. I didn't know what you're going to oh, do, do it
0: live, so I didn't want to set you up for a fall there. But uh, how many people? How many entrants have we got?
1: Well, it doesn't entirely marry up because not everyone who donated ah, yeah, um, yeah. got touched, and not everyone wanted to be. No, nor wanted to be entered. Obviously, you put some money in, so yeah, you're not yeah, going I don't, to be included.
0: I don't, I, don't to win, I don't want to win your army. Not because, <laughs> not, because, not because it wasn't fantastically painted, just because that would look dodgy as hell, wouldn't it really? <laughs> uh,
1: a little bit. Um, I've already been uh, told that uh, by my, my, my locals, they'll be uh, around to collect it in the morning, but uh, it's all down to the luck of the draw. So um, without further ado, I'm going to hit the random number generator. So we've got a list in our shared um, documents. Would you do me a favor? Are you able to access that from where you are right now? Oh, you can do, yeah. That way it's totally fair, sure. Okay, so I've put, I'm on uh, random.org. I've mm-hmm. put in the uh, minimum max, so I'm just going to uh, go for it. So without further ado, number 23.
0: This is where you're going. Hopefully, hope hopefully it's UK. Hopefully it's UK.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some very generous foreign uh, uh, donations, so I wouldn't possibly <laughs> Well, winging it's all the way to Australia, it's gone to Michael Haskell. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. Well, congratulations to Michael. I'll, we'll probably reach out to him or announce this before people listen to this, really. But,
0: yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. He, he sent me a message today about a links about a test match special cricket tour. Said he might be interested in this year. So not related to that at all. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, glad it's gone to someone local. <laughs> now I'm joking. Um, no, it's not that local as he? he's um, Manchester way. I think so. But it's not gone overseas. So there. That means your pocket's a little bit, uh, a little bit better off there.
1: Uh, I wouldn't have minded. It's more no, actually where they're, they're Okay,
0: but I'd, well, yeah, incredible. There's a huge list of names there, and um, what an like I keep sort of banging on and saying the same things. But I've been blown away by what you've done with it, Dan, dance. So it's really, 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 really cool. Yeah,
1: obviously I can't list everyone because a lot of people put it in as um, anonymous yes, for donations yes, and then got contacted us anonymously or you know covertly. So I can't put everyone up uh, as much as I'd like to thank everyone, and everyone can see you.
0: And donated because, and was so generous, but and because people bought multiple tickets, she was gave them multiple chances yeah. as well. It's I could yeah, you can't say exactly how many, but I think there were. I mean, what you can tell is how many. I think total.
1: There was there was a lot. There yeah, was an yeah, awful yeah. lot, and then obviously the people Ticket,
0: rather than people, but in terms of there's.
1: Well over 200 entries.
0: Yeah, yeah. Comfortably over 200, 220 something, I think. It's gone down there. So a lot, a lot, a lot of individual entries. So brilliant stuff. Cool.
1: Yeah, thank you to everyone. And um, we'll be in touch, Michael, to uh, arrange getting your your elves to you uh, in the best way possible. And uh, hopefully you enjoy them. Absolutely. Right. So moving on. Where well, everyone's going to turn off now because they've heard the bit they want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what have we been up to? What have you been up to, Steve?
0: What have I been up to? I've I've done some hobby, and I didn't. I think I think the last couple of shows, everyone knows, it's been a little bit. I've done a little bit less, and it's normally me with the big list of stuff, and you with still a lot, but you always pretended it wasn't very much, um, and then. Things have been busy. Obviously, my my um my eldest has been back at school now since schools have reopened. Um, I'm not fully caught up with work yet, but life is getting back to normal, and I'm starting to get a bit of free time that isn't just on a on a Friday and a Saturday night, which I made sure I spent spent with the wife. So I'm not kind of working every every weekday evening and then Sunday evenings at the moment just to come and work. In. I'm back to working my normal my normal day times, which is. Brilliant. So I have started to do some hobby. Um not all of it a <laughs> middle earth, but people who follow the miniature realms will notice I doing other bits. But I finished off um the Moria Army. So I think it's 47 goblins in total, including the two captains and the shaman and the drum will be the forty-eighth model and the troll the forty-ninth, I think. So I finished all of those. The only thing left for that Army as such will be the um, Balrog, which we'll need to do for our next show. Um, so we're doing Bridget Kazadum for our next show. Um, but they were done, and this has been hanging over me since, I don't know, in November time, I think. The original plan was to do this topic for this show Back in November, wasn't it? Maybe even yeah. I can't remember. Definitely just no, it's was December, wasn't it? One was going to be December, one was going to be New Year, and then something else, blah blah blah. But even then I, I started planning and working on this definitely in November. And the plan was to do it fairly quickly, and then just all personal hobby stopped really. Um Christmas and then the and then the lockdown and the school closures, etc. Um, so it's really nice to finally get it done. It's not an amazing standard. I've not shared any pictures yet. I'll probably wait till I've done the um rog. And I'll do some army pictures when I've got the board set up for our for our game for the for, for the next show. Um but it's yeah, it's really, really nice to to finally have it done. Um and I did some middle earth stuff for work as well. Um I did um Radagast and Radagast on his sleigh. Um and I did Bjorn, which that sculpt is incredible. I've I've, always, I've seen pictures of it, I always thought oh, it looks quite nice, but it's a really lovely, lovely model, I'm gonna go and buy it. i enjoyed painting it so much. I just want to go and I want to own it. I didn't want to send it off. Bear the, the bear form's nice as well, but the just to him in standard form. Just love, love, love that model. Um and then I did a couple of eagles as well, so which is nice. It was a, a shorter commission, but it was a nice way to break up a couple of longer ones I've been doing by doing some middle earth in the middle. So yeah, so I've been painting some middle earth stuff and, and quite a lot of it mine, and it's all been finished. So I've ticked my first few boxes off um on there on the um, hobby bingo. Um, and then I built the board, which has also been hanging over me since back in back in November time. So I needed to build Barlin's Tomb for us to play it. It was the two-by-two two board based on the um, latest version of the scenario. Um, I won't go into any more detail on that now because we're going to cover that actually as part of the, the main topic when we talk about playing the scenario. I know I've had a few people who have commented on the board since i posted pictures of it. Um, a few people have asked how it was made and what I was going to do, do a tutorial. I'm not going to do a tutorial because it's done and I didn't take too many pictures. Um, not enough to really kind of make it into a tutorial anyway, but I will. I'll go through it and I'll um, just sort of talk about what I did and maybe I'll share the few pictures I've got in the in the thread when we post the show up or something like that, so people can people can see. Um, but but that's it really. Um, I did want to give a shout out um, rather than our shout outs at the end. but I wanted to give a little shout out to um, North of the Shire podcast. I've been really enjoying it and and to Don for um, he's been doing the Battle of Eight Armies on the OSBGL, um, which is the Canadian group. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, Dan. Have you? Have you? Have you seen that popping up in your feed at all?
1: I see bits and pieces here and there. I've not uh, taken
0: part in it. I mean, he you know, you sort of set it up as an event, and um, yeah, and I've not. I've got the kids at the weekend, and it's been very hard to kind of spend the time to kind of look into it. But basically, he's running a like an a, like an event, but online, and it's all kind of um, theoretical. So you. The, the players come up with their list, um, they get their matchup and they describe how they would take on and win in their matchup and there's pictures of the army and then within in the when the matchup goes up, people get to vote essentially who they think would win based on on on, on both players sort of saying how they're gonna win. Sometimes it's friendly, sometimes it's a bit of smack talk, etc And it's great. It's really it's a lovely thing to do. Um, for to, to to have a bit of fun at the weekends um, when uh, when you're in lockdown and you can't actually go to an event, so I just think it was a really it's quite an ingenious and it's quite a novel and we've seen lots of stuff over over the lockdowns and the separate lockdowns all over the world. But I thought it was a really nice thing and it seems to get people really engaged. If you haven't checked it out, head over to the um uh, Facebook page and and. Have a look and I suppose join the group and, and, and join in and, and vote towards who, who you think should win. I haven't done it myself, I've just been catching up and reading it afterwards and not got involved. But um, I just wanted to give it a shout out because I thought it was such an awesome idea of a way of kind of doing a, an event without doing an event. I think there's going to be a like you voting for best painted at the end of it as well because there's pictures of the armies and things. So it just yeah, I love the idea. I thought it was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, it's very innovative and they do some great hobby on that group actually. So it's always worth giving them a look, even for just. The sake of actually seeing what they're up to,
0: and and it's just a lovely, friendly group. I mean, they're Canadians; they're living up to their um, their their, their world reputation of the nicest people on the planet. Um, and I and if you haven't checked out North of Shire podcast, it's one of my absolute favorites at the moment. Um, there's a real they do talk. Um, game and tactics but in a very different way to all the other podcasters. It's a very kind of top down. So rather than drilling down into individual profiles and meta, it's a much more of a kind of a a wider view. So they they talk about different army types, um, rather than just individual army lists and it's really, really interesting and Don makes Don's a um more of a sort of laid back less competitive player. Um, but then when you hear him talking about it, he clearly knows the game very, very well. And it's just um Um, Yeah, it's just a really, really good show and they're both great and they get on well and um, they're not ridiculously long either. They're a good sort of like an hour, an hour and a half show so they're easy to fit in and I'm very much enjoying them and if you haven't checked them out, go and do it. But that's me. That's me done. I will talk about the board more. And, uh, yeah, I've got not much to say about painting the goblins. I'm not going to pretend I enjoyed it because I didn't. This is not an army that I'm going to be taking to any events. So I've got, <laughs> them for, I've got them for um, scenarios and have on the shelf as part of my kind of tick off the, as I keep saying, the armies from the films and the books. I've got, the, I can make the Legendary Legion. Um, and I'm not interested in the slightest uh, in collecting any of the, Extra models that don't appear in the films or the books, nothing against them, but it, because I don't plan on taking this army anywhere and it's not a passion for me, other than being an opposing army in a narrative sense, or you know, I wouldn't, I might play the Legendary Legion at some point because it might be fun to play the Barrog, but it's going to stop at just the models that are available in that Legendary Legion. That's it, done. We'll go on the shelf and on to the next one, but anyway. You've
1: done
0: well, yeah. Well, I've got two more to do this year. I say i have finished talking about them. I've got two more. I've, I've re evaluated what I'm going to do. I'm next after the um the Balrog, so Balrog treat myself to doing smalg and then for the rest of the year up until October because we've got a date for Helm's Deep for, for me and you to get together for Helm's Deep. Um, so I'll have a good six months then, probably to um paint the Rohan and the Isengard and that's what that's one that's my only goals aside from my display board for those. So it's still three more armies to do and Smaug, so it's a lot. Um but I think at the beginning of the year I was thinking oh, I'll have them done by mid year and then October I'll maybe do a and blah blah blah. No, I'm not even gonna think about that now. It's gonna be do smile for some fun over the next month or six weeks or so. Barrel will be done in a in, when I get a free evening in the next week or so and um, definitely by the time of the next show, because we need it, um, and then it'll be just slowly chipping away at the Rohan and the Isengard while I slowly chip away at my um, Fangorn display board, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in a vain hope that, that TOS will happen in December time. Anyway, back to you, because you've, you've done quite a lot of painting yourself.
1: Oh, yeah, because I haven't got anything else to blimmin' do. <laughs> um, yeah, although uh, new... Uh, additional uh, download stuff for Doom dropped the other day, so I was going to put a dent. Um, righty then, so I finished my Fantasy Fellowship. I do need to do them a display base, but um, I picked up uh, Hilda and Percy to add them in, uh, painted those up, and um, then once again, Matt Davies to the rescue, uh, he was able to sort me out with uh, jumping or vaulting Bilbo. he's jumping over the, uh, the tree stump. More wanted for ages.
0: All three beautiful models. Lovely models. You've done an awesome job with them as well. I just think loads of um, Especially Hilda, I think. I love what you've done with her. And she was probably my favourite to paint out of the two as well.
1: What, what, do you have a favourite out of those two? They're both very different. I'm not sure I have a favourite on them, to be honest with you. Um, Percy's got some more interesting sort of textures on his clothes and things like that. But yeah, I think that... The face sculpt on Hilda's very good. Yeah. There's a lot going on with that model, even though it initially looks quite simplistic. I, enjoy, I really enjoyed both of them, in fairness. I,
0: I thought there was more on really with Hilda, yeah. I thought Percy felt more traditional. Maybe it's just because you're used to seeing a bloke with a bow, um, as good as he is. Um, and then she's just a very different model you don't tend to see very often. But yeah, very, very good sculpts. Very, very, very well posed as well. So great models. And you'd then, already
1: yeah. painted quite a lot of uh, Lake Town by that point, though. Maybe you'd burnt out on uh, Bloke in <laughs> shoddy looking cloak, uh, coat with bow.
0: <laughs> that might be the case, yeah, because I think I'd done, I think I'd done, I think I started with all of the the, the, the regular. Regular warriors, um, and then did the, all the characters at the end. So yeah, I would probably was fed up of, of those guys by then. Um, so what about Bilbo then? So lovely sculpt, just like you said. One you've been we um, desperate to get on hold off for a while, and, and and Matt sorted you out. So how was that yes, I did.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, it was really really good fun. Um, really complicated, and um, I don't think I actually think it's a you know like a knock on the sculpt. Um, but some of the area around the scarf around his neck is a little undefined in the sculpt and requires you to study the you know, the, the, the pictures that are now on Games Workshop, but you can find them online quite easily. Yeah. Um, it just takes a bit of thought, that bit. But generally, really wonderful model to sculpt, or to paint, rather, um, the tiny little sculpt, especially his face. Yeah. Miniscule little face. I
0: can imagine. He's facing down, isn't it? That's the the only thing, and I think in terms of it being posed, it looks brilliant because I can see what he's doing. But I imagine he was hard to photograph to to get a good angle because you you tend to focus on the face of a model. Um, And yes, it matched that certain image from the film, but also in terms of as, a, as a, a model to kind of display how good the model is and really just show off your painting and stuff. It's, it's quite difficult because yeah, if the face is looking down, which is just quite odd, I imagine that's normally a no-no with miniatures designing. I don't know someone that does miniature designing can can answer that, but I imagine that normally you're looking at making a focal point.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine that's very much in the, uh, the list of things that should be done for any miniature, particularly for a display miniature. But yeah. um, I don't think it detracts too much from, you it's know, it's so more mitigated the, by think, the dynamicism of the model.
0: Yeah, and I think because it takes you to, the, to, to that snapshot, that that moment, and I think that's what does it. Um, because people who are buying it are buying it for that rather than for the kind of, you know, uh, if you were a, a miniatures painter who didn't really care about the the any Law or system and you were looking to pick a miniature to paint for golden demon or something you might not go for it regardless of how good the sculpt is just because you think well that's not something that's going to draw the eye in the right way whereas if you're a fan of lord of the rings and the hobbit and the films you're going to go wow that's from this moment i've got away in that which is, which is probably yeah you, you'd i'd probably for go with, uh
1: the other fine cast one frodo with sting where he's drawing it
0: yeah yes that's cool that's
1: really cool yeah damien's painted him recently hasn't he uh First. you yes. don't see him very yeah. often in the wild, but he did a nice job on that as well. He's mm. been painting his Bilbos. For, that was for the Unexpected Journey battle streams, wasn't it? He did those.
0: Yes, it must be. Must be. There's another one going up this weekend, isn't there? the uh, like a uh, story so far kind of thing, isn't it? A video going up. That's oh
1: going yeah. About. Well, obviously he painted them for that, but it he, he was the actual stream itself on the Friday night. He right. painted his Bilbos to, as his contributions that week, didn't he?
0: I, I watched all. I have. I am. I am caught up now, but I've not watched any live this year. Um. So I'm, you I'm might be forgiven wax. in your
1: situation. I think <laughs> I haven't is, got anything better to do. Um,
0: well, yeah, it's uh, it's keeping the wife happy, and uh, on the one or two nights I'm spending with a week, not putting YouTube on the big telly is probably a way of winning points. Um. But, uh, um. Yeah. Well, I've distracted you anyway. So, what did you do after those?
1: Well, I bought some bits and pieces to start the um, display base, but uh, then it kind of ran aground because I wasn't able to get any more blue or, as it's now, black foam. Yes. Uh, so that'll, that'll come in time. Um, to be honest, I've done quite a lot, I suppose. Um, I painted Lert, um got round to doing him um, as sort of the opposite to my uh, breaking in the fellowship.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Anurakai captain, not the scout captain, but I've got uh, an High captain that... Uh, Ben sorted me out with alongside Lurts. Um, i put in the uh, Generation Shift base order um, for um, my Fellowship breaking off and uh, Eurex, etc. And unfortunately, Royal Mail seem to have swallowed it at the moment, so... Um, oh, dear. Yeah, that's a bit of a blow, but uh, it'll get sorted out. It's not a problem. It's just slowed me up a little bit, but uh, I found other things to do in the meantime. I meant to say, actually, fancy Fellowship are all on... Um, custom made custom printed uh woodland bases
0: yeah and they're beautiful really lovely
1: yeah um I, my mate nick's got a 3d printer so i paid for the designs online and um he printed them off for me and cleaned those up which was remarkably easy and uh yeah i got those painted up and because there's you know once matt does the rest of his uh gloomy forest bases then they're you know Getting hold of forest bases for your miniatures shouldn't be too difficult. And obviously, that'll be where I'll be going in the future. But
0: uh... yeah, there's not many around. There is definitely a, a cap in the market. The last ones I can remember um, were square because they were back in fantasy days where people used them quite a lot for their, um, their wood elf armies and, and things like that. But, um, um, but yeah, I've not seen any round recently, but um, there might, there might be some out there. There might be some that, that you, you look in different places, don't you? So if you, if you were played a lot of AOS circles, you may well find that someone has done something, but well, whether they would do them on
1: I, mean, I looked on everywhere. So don't know. I looked absolutely everywhere. The only ones that are being done that are nice, are Micro Arts do some really nice ones for Star Wars Legion, Friend or uh-huh. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. But they're the wrong size.
0: Yeah, they're, they're 30s, aren't they? <laughs> and they're not. Yeah, they are 30s, aren't
1: they? Yeah, they're sort of really obscure and then the larger bases have those cutouts
0: yeah you don't want that
1: no no so they were the closest i found but then they're, they're still too big so yes i had to uh i found um someone online who designed them uh really nicely and i, I paid for the work and then uh, got them printed
0: yeah that's i mean i like i've not got a 3d printer and i have considered it and it would be for stuff like that it would be for bases and it would be maybe for terrain pieces and things like that but- so, but it's yeah, it's more stuff. <laughs> I've got enough going on. Yeah. Maybe next year well, I'll look at it. I, it's one of those I've I've kicked the can down the road on one of those those ideas. The prices are coming down all the time and um um uh, becoming
1: Yeah, becoming eminently affordable. Yeah. a really I'd, good quality one. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. I don't I've got no interest in printing old miniatures really. Not definitely not for S B G, maybe for other things, um, in different scales. But um for bases and for terrain I can see it Being useful, um, it's yeah. something I want to print loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff off, but um,
1: there's a couple of really good programs for designing stuff on. Um, uh, Dan Wheeler, obviously, you know, him, mm-hmm. he's a heresy player, he's um, picked up a really good program he's he on his iPad, yeah. Um, and he's been designing loads of bits and pieces. So, for that, I'll do it. I we won't get into the debate over 3D printing and. This, that, and the other. I don't think that's <laughs> not for this subject. So. There, there's no Some debate. Day, for,
0: for what you've talked about. There's no debate there. Is there? <laughs> nothing wrong with no, 3D printing. Um, nothing wrong with it. You just don't use it. Just don't use it. <laughs> If you're still IP, then then you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and um, but if you're not, there's no, I'm not. I don't want to get into debate on whether it's right or wrong to steal IP. That's another conversation. But what I mean is, there's nothing wrong with 3D printing, um, especially no, if if, if you're printing stuff that's designed as generic or um, th- and doesn't steal other IP. Then absolutely nothing wrong with it. So, so for what you've got the bases, it's is not. There's not even a debate there. It's, they're just awesome, and um, that's the kind of thing I'd use it for. It would be that that kind of thing. It would be for bases, like I said, or, or or um, terrain kind of things but I'd only do it when I felt I'd be using it enough to make it worthwhile for the for the initial um, outlay and then would it be affordable enough to keep it running kind of thing versus me just paying someone else to do it or buying stuff. So it'll get to the point when there's enough stuff that I want to print to make it worthwhile owning. at the moment it's a few times a year I think oh, I wish I had once I could print this or that but I'm not sure it would have added up yet to uh, needing... Um, I'll
1: I'll break before you do so I can always print you stuff. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that might be the case. Who knows? And when we're talking about the evolution of Flotsam and Jetsam event for next year um, and how it's going to become much more aligned with the podcast um, and we're going to run something together and we've already got an idea for a a full kind of relaxed weekend of gaming and that well may need stuff. So when you're thinking, well, I want to produce a lot of stuff, then it might become might become cost effective to do that but at the moment as i said it's not been enough things that i'd want to print to make me think i need the outlay once it's there it's there isn't it and then you've got the you've got the resource but at the moment there's other things i want to spend my money on this year i think
1: oh yeah definitely i think for me it'll be when i've learned to design enough stuff i mean i designed a few bits and pieces for my adept titanicus for making weapon racks for magnetized arms and things cool. so i did some design that up and nick printed it and i did it so you could fit magnets into it and all the arms fit on and stuff so i can stack them all up without just leaving it in a pile or in a case yeah yeah um and that was the first bit i did and that wasn't too bad so as soon as i've learned how to properly design stuff then cool. i think i'll, you know, I'll, it super I'll bite the cool
0: bullet because then you're you you're still getting your artistic side of things into it and you're just producing an idea. that's really cool i don't know if i would um, I don't know if I'm neat enough and things with my drawing skills, or where I could de- learn to design. To, do. I don't know. I don't know how well I'd be good at that. Got to, if something tells me that I wouldn't as much as I paint. Okay, I something tells me that I wouldn't be great at doing digital design on stuff. But who knows? Who knows? i have not actually tried, yeah. so who knows? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I've, I've got the I've got the kit and uh, the app. It is very inexpensive. So the worst it'll be is a couple. I might of... I might look at that. <laughs> do you,
0: you use your Apple pencil? Are you with it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. got the Apple Pencil, I've got an iPad Pro, so if the app's not too expensive, I might download and, and see how it goes. And if it's one of those that I find I can do it, then that might inspire me to go and buy a thing. But yeah, not. I've got enough to, enough to be going on with at the moment and I shouldn't I shouldn't need that for now.
1: Yeah, well, it's always options for the future. I mean, this wonderful world we're living in, we're getting more and more options all the time to do more things with our hobby. So, yeah you know, I the stuff the I can break. think
0: I might like now it would be stuff that I know that, regardless of if I learned to design a few bits, would be well beyond what I could design now, and I'd be looking for other people's um, downloaded files um, to do them. If that makes sense, because there are enough out there. And I, I'm not. I'm talking about legitimate things there as well, because there are a lot of things out there that people just make for generic stuff and, and sell their files, and you can download There's a lot of Kickstarters now, aren't they? Where you you're buying files rather than buying. Uh, actual finished project, um, product as well so um, that's another reason for potentially owning one because there's a, a couple of times I've seen a Kickstarter and goes, oh it's brilliant oh it's files, great, wonderful
1: um, yeah and unless you know someone with a really top notch printer um, which yeah, are still exactly. quite expensive mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's uh, obviously I, I know Josh quite well he works for, uh, I don't know if I could, should mention uh, the company he works for but um, they have the you know, twenty grand machines and what they can produce is ridiculous. I can imagine. You know, I mean, they're effectively, sort of um, what they call rapid prototyping and stuff like that is unbelievable, glass smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. That's yeah, literally can't even see the slicing layers on it and stuff. It's it's crazy. So, you know, when when that kind of technology becomes more viable on a you know a day to day, when you know it's even better than something that's been hand sculpted, then you know, the world's going to be your oyster there, isn't it? Yes, yes it is, yes it is. Anyway, moving on. Uh Not in, a not tiny thing I did. Um, I painted another 29 Moranon slash mortal Orcs, including a banner. <laughs> yeah, ouch. Uh, I feel your pain. Yeah, I I deep regret on that one. I um The first 32 were a slog. This one was harder. But it's done. It is done. There will be no more Standard Moranon into walk 60 is enough.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to need any more. You really
1: aren't. Yes. And uh, big thanks to Nathan. Nathan Talbot, who sorted me out with the awkward banner because uh, uh, a, a chap who puts all this stuff on eBay, who we won't mention, who puts it on a, <laughs> a lot of money, kept on rejecting my uh, offers. So he, uh, Nathan came yeah. to the rescue on that one.
0: Oh, dear. Well, maybe they... Uh... Maybe there's not enough oxygen in that goldfish bowl. Um, so. Perhaps. perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Well, the fact that you've now done that, I remember when you did the first lot, you weren't sure where you were ever going to expand it because it wasn't necessarily an army you might not use that much. You weren't sure where you but now it's turned into this awesome army you've painted. and Now you've broken the back and added that on there as well. Pretty much everything you add now can be cool little additions, can't it?
1: Yeah, and um, speaking of, I bought the Great Beast of Gorgoroth.
0: I, I, it When you told me that, it reminded me that I've got one sitting in a box. You do. Um, and um, I had that. Oh God, I had that.
1: That turned up years. the, the Ophi Employer weekend. So that was what twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah.
2: July.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would have been the summer twenty nineteen. After I was had already done a couple of events by then with the Lake Tang, um, and. And I was, and I, that, this is when I thought that they would be my next project because I was sitting there with my Peninol box. Um, and I had the stuff in the Peninol box, obviously, and that had been out less than a year at that point. I think it came out the previous September and I didn't want to start with those armies even though I bought the box I started with with Lake Town and I was thinking that it was going to be Minas Tirith and then then Mordor or a bit of a joint project and I remember buying that and it's that project has just kind of been bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped and I want to do it but well, everyone knows what I'm doing product wise anyway so I won't repeat it but that, I'm going to be jealous when you paint that just because I want to paint mine and I know I could just paint it but it's not logical to paint it right now
1: <laughs> i painted um all the skin on the crew uh last okay. night um i built it uh How many so crew are it's 10 10 crew <laughs> so
0: you this is where you think oh, i've just painted 29 moranical moran and orcs yeah you think I'm done. i've gone back I'm to back i've done. done on all those infantry and you get out your great beast and you're like oh there's 10 more infantry <laughs> yeah
1: i had immense fun with that howder as well
0: <laughs> oh is it hard to go together
1: um it, it's definitely a um super glue with activator and a hairdryer job. Right. Just to get it straight. Right. A lot right. of dry fitting, a lot of trimming. It's not it's not beyond, you know, anyone, but I think um it does require a bit more work than some of the other stuff.
0: And you had to fill much or is it was it
1: just a straight? Very thing? little. Very That's little. Good. Only um on some of the one, maybe two of the corners where the powder sections come together. That's and it was bad. only hairline cracks really
0: because sometimes when you've got to um i mean you will know this from from a fair few horrible heresy tanks so you spend all that time heating and bending it to get it together and then not only that you've got to go and put in the five mil you've still got five mil gaps where you've got to fill with mini put and sand down and stuff as well it's depressing isn't it but now it's good yeah
1: it was nowhere near that bad um just required a bit of um mucking about and heating and um once I'd sort of got the howder in shape and then would heat it and and move it around the actual beast itself. So um, sort of the, I don't know, the yokes that sit over its back, line up properly with the chains and everything. But that was just, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes of mucking about and nothing really to make it look nice. That's not too bad. And then, uh, yeah, all the crew. um, They're really nice models. They're beautiful models, those crew, actually. A lot of um, character in those.
0: Mm. yeah and this is um, GW resin as well they all I find when they're good they're fairly crisp so I'm guessing these are all decent ones
1: yeah yeah they're pretty good um, they didn't require too much um, cleaning up obviously there's a lot more un- um, little vent bits they put in for the undercuts on them nowadays so you just have to be careful you trim all those off yep. the last thing you want to do is find one of those when you're halfway through painting it that really really gets on my nerves <laughs> yes um, there's always one <laughs> yeah um, but I clean those up really well um, took a while, but yeah, it was good fun. Uh, I bought Gorof and Zagdush, yeah. um, the last two of my sort of characters I really need for Mordor as it stands. I might pick up um, uh, Shagrat and um, yeah, those guys, because uh, they're, they're in the battle streams or battle games of Middle Earth magazine, so I might pick those up for the relevant.
0: Yeah, that's a good shame. Um, I as they buy.
1: come out. I've uh, and I've managed to blag some Morgul Knights, because uh, Ben uh, picked up a, a large bundle of stuff and he had them going spare, so I had those off him. So I'm going to use the box of six to make three knights and three dismounts.
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: idea. Very good idea. Um, and then I'll pick up the uh, the Mouth of Sauron eventually to go with them, because in the books he was described as le- leaving the gates with a collection of men. Oh, yes. Dark, yeah. Basically dark, uh, black Numenorians, dark Numenorians. So they're going to be his little bodyguard. They're going to be that little contingent for the black gate.
0: That's a good idea. I forgot about that. Cause you're so used to seeing the clip from the film that you kind of picture him coming out on his own, but he doesn't, obviously he doesn't, does he? No, that's cool. That's cool. That's an, again, a nice little, nice little additions there.
1: Yeah. I just need to get an orc drummer again. Uh, Certain eBay chat didn't want to accept my offer on that one. Because 18 pound for a model out of a 24 pound kit seemed uh, quite unfair to be honest. But uh, there we are. Well, putting your show uh,
0: on the show seems to seems to work quite well. Um, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, there is that. To
1: be fair, the um we've already discussed this because you might need things for future. So, um,
0: yeah, I haven't looked yet, actually. By the way, so I have promised I'll have a look, and I haven't looked. Oh,
1: you know, I don't want money for it, so you can, you can just have the remember, extras.
0: I couldn't remember what I've got in the box, but you never know. I might even have what you need. So, just have you You've not ordered it yet? Have you?
1: No, not yet. I've, I've got uh Garth and Zagdush uh coming, um, because uh Ben and I uh both needed stuff from the pre orders uh on Saturday, yes. And I, I bought the Forge World stuff with uh Garth and Zagdush on. Um, so they're obviously coming a week later because they're with the pre-order stuff and then he got some books and bits for me at a gw right yeah so that works out quite well
0: so yeah just nudge me tomorrow or something and i'll have a i'm not working tomorrow it's just me and the the youngest knocking about the house most of the day tomorrow so um give me a nudge and i will uh have a look because so i i've got a lot of stuff that i i bought and squirreled away for that that mordor project um i may well have what you need because i've got some metal, old metals and some some newer stuff as well so i bought some stuff from some other people so who knows but let, let me let me look i may have a drum. i think if i've got a drum, it'll probably just be one and i'll need it but you never know and it might be that i don't need your your extras and then you can uh, pass them on to a, someone else who, who needs them
1: yeah well pass the love around people have been very good to me uh speaking of um when nathan sent me the uh Awkward banner. Everyone seems to find it really funny that I'm getting through my uh, painting backlog. Well, they want to send me more models to ruin it for me <laughs> in a nice way. So he sent me three Mario goblins, uh, which I painted during the last battle stream stream. Um, and I, funny enough, um, ticked another hobby bingo box oh, yes, because exactly. I needed to paint a goblin. And I was going to get the um, Azog's Legion ones, the uh, Gundabad, the mercenary goblins. But he enabled me to pick tick another bingo box with that. So painted them up, and he sent me a Kit Kat zebra, which is was odd but nice. Zebra, yeah, it's um like dark chocolate and white chocolate marbled. Um, Kit Kat,
0: that. I've not seen that, but I've probably been to an actual shop twice this year. We do all our of shopping online, so you, all that kind of browsing stuff, all the new chocolate at the end of the aisle in the supermarket, you think, oh, what's that? And you do your impulse buys. It doesn't happen when you when you are an online shopping. So I, I've not seen seen any of that
1: yeah i I haven't seen it in in, in real life until it it was in the box with the remaining bits Uh, So that was that was cool i enjoyed my kit kat it was very nice had a break uh (laughs) and i've just been working on a few other bits of hobby bingo i've um i've read the fellowship of the ring and i'm working through two towers
0: nice
1: so uh yeah i've been uh very much getting through as much of Those as possible. I'm on fifteen out of twenty five bingo squares already.
0: That's amazing. I've probably done about three or four, but I'm saving the um the like I said, I've only recently the end of last year rewatched the films and stuff, so I'm gonna I'm saving them a little bit longer. Um got plenty of time. There's no way I won't watch them. And I so I think I'll save them a little bit later in the year and, and then suddenly all those boxes will get ticked off in in quick succession.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, going to be, like, the, create the recreate the favourite scene. I'm working on my on Hen stuff, so that'll get played. And playing a game with an army I haven't used before is not exactly going to be a problem, is it? Because I've painted about three different armies that I've not used yet.
0: Were you, have you used, used the Fellowship before? Before we played last night, on Tuesday night?
1: Uh, no, I have played Fellowship? the Fellowship, so I suppose I could tick that one off.
0: Well, it's done, isn't it? <laughs> I hope I've ticked mine off i never used Moria before. Ah, so.
1: oh, Trixie. I like so it. We, we've done it. Six, you, 16 may,
0: you may well do it many times over, hopefully. It's the same with, um, I've painted a, um, I finished an evil army, so that's ticked off. You know, I shall hopefully do at least one more well I hope hopefully do one more this year no problem as well otherwise our um, Palms Deep game will be a bit one sided um, <laughs> and likewise good army I've got I should do two this year so um, yeah, th- th- there's a lot I'm quite confident that will get ticked off as we discussed at the beginning of the year just a um, bit of a slow start but yeah you've played a game with an army you've never used before so there you go
1: Sweet. Yeah, I'll add that on there as a 16. And finally, I um, sorted my Dettoff display cabinet out. I mm, did some extra awesome. shelves and it's now all lit up.
0: Yeah, it looks awesome.
1: Pretty really cool being able to do uh, that. And I put it off for so long and it turned out to be the easiest thing in the world to do.
0: <laughs> no, it looks, looks amazing. it looks amazing. I'm halfway through. I bought some stuff before um, Christmas to extend my display shelves, I use Billy bookcases and I've got doors and glass shelves a few more glass shelves and actually doors to go on them to stop the armies getting dusty um, and then one of the bookshelves we ended up using in Jacob's bedroom because we bought some some of the same stuff um, we thought well just order me another one and, um, and then we thought oh, we'll leave it and order a couple more bits and then Ikea's been quite short of stock so they're basically out of half the Billy Book case. They're like apart from Callax Billy Bookcase is probably like one of their most staple things. It's like um it's like KFC running out of chicken or um McDonald's running out of Big Macs. But they've run out of pretty much all the Billy Bookcases until May. And i was speaking with a very, very helpful customer service person, but yeah, they just don't have any so they're probably stuck stuck on a container ship in the Suez or something like that at the moment I don't know Um, but um, that would be a strange route to the UK I appreciate Um, yeah so they um, can't order a a very basic bookcase but I can't kind of order from anywhere else because the stuff I've got for it all goes with it and I've already got three so it's kind of completing a line so my kind of Slightly re tidying of my display cabinets are all, all on hold, and I've got three new desks ready to build to put to change my desks up slightly. Um, I've got a bit of a DIY, DIY Sunday coming up, I've got to put some loft boarding up so I can put some some of my stuff up in the loft, which creates some space for something else. So exciting, but not exciting if that makes sense. The, the work will be really horrible, but when I'm finally there, just sitting remaking when i'm putting stuff on the desk i'll enjoy it then it's the uh, clearing stuff off removing old desks building desks put doing loft boarding that's going to be a bit a bit frustrating beforehand but it is nice when you um tidy up your kind of display and work areas i can't wait to do it for my um my models when ikea have bookshelves back in
1: yes it's uh, definitely been worth it so it's good to be able to actually show a few bits off as well yeah. Not mine, for anyone I can actually come and see it for months yet, yeah, but still. Yeah, well you can see it looks nice in the pictures. <laughs> I haven't
0: even saw it, any lights out for mine, but mine are just getting dusty. Um, dustier than they used to. I don't know what it is. Change of the room I've got them in, but they're getting quite dusty on the shelves. I can dust them easy enough. I use you know I use makeup brushes for um for dry brushing. Um yeah. and then the biggest, softest makeup brush a bit like the it looks a bit like a shaving foam brush. A men foam brush. The biggest, softest of those are fantastic for um dusting models. Um they're so light that it doesn't break anything or knock it out of your hand and they're really, really good for dusting models and things. So you can do it but I wanna predict so I think it's because I'm working here quite a lot, so I'm doing airbrushing, but I'm also building terrain and, and doing stuff for work. So I imagine that creates a lot more dust than you realise. So when you look round on your nice white shelves and you move a model and there's a, a different colour underneath the model, you think probably should dust that a little bit more. So hopefully the glass doors for them will um will, will mitigate some of that. that. Yeah, it should solve the problem really. Um but yeah, exciting way to end our um our conversation about what we're up to talking about shelves and dusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Part of the course. Have you got any, Is there anything else you've done that uh, before we before we move on? on? No,
1: everyone's been bored to death by now. Let's uh, let's get to what they're here for. That's, that's the problem when we, when
0: we only record once a month. doesn't it? This bit takes longer, but yeah, it's good to catch up and chat. Anyway, right, we will go for a short break, and when we come back, we will discuss the Balanch Tomb scenario.
1: The hour grows late, and bland, of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of
0: this, Blandalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event
1: pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf, the commission painter. We must be fully painted.
0: When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I
1: am now Surly Man of many colors.
0: Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way
2: of paint!
0: Welcome back, and we're here to discuss Balin's Tomb. A lot later than we'd originally planned. Um, it's not, it's <laughs> nice to finally be here. So those who are listeners to the show all the way through will know that this was... These were the last, this one, Banner's Tomb and The Bridget of Doom were the last ones we planned to do as part of our Quest of the Ringbearer um, coverage. We wanted to give them the sort of the same treatment that we've given some of the other scenarios, which is to kind of look back at older versions of those scenarios and, and um, sort of compare a little bit and see how they stand up and see the evolution of, of the way that the game has told the tale of some of these big narrative pieces within in The Lord of the Rings books and films. Um, and this is a cool one. This is um really, really iconic, um, especially in terms of a scene from the film. It's the big fight scene I'd say from the from the fellowship. It was the main thing. Um it was the one that they used to that they finished parts of earliest and used in trailers and used to send to the studio and things to say, look, this is what we can do with some of our finished finished bits. I think it was the first one first scene that they finished a lot of the digital stuff for as well. So um, big in many many ways, um, and just cool. My my six year old has been uh, hovering over the board for a few days, going, "Daddy, this is really cool. Daddy, this is cool." Oh, I'm thinking, yeah, might be a good way to an amazing way to get him into the game in some ways and and a terrible way in other ways, as we'll come on to later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, In more than one way, because you've got an experience as as a staffer when this was an introductory game as well, haven't you? So we'll cover that when we get to it. So, what we're going to do is going to take it in turns as we normally do to kind of cover each um, version of the scenario or where it's covered. So it might not always be directly a scenario; it might well be an article that's linked to it. We may have missed some, so let us know if we've missed an issue out. I've got all the editions of everything, and I did have a quick flip through, so I could have missed something. But I think these are all the times that it's sort of mainly covered. So in the first edition of the rules, scenario three was balanced too. And I won't read it word for word because we I won't bother giving you a description of 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 what Balin's tomb was because I think people people know what it is. Um, but um, the fellowship, as we know, arrive in in the the, the Hall of Mazarbel. Um They come through kind of a, a small door at the back where the rubble sort of rubble is sort of broken away, and uh, um, they find the tomb. Pippin is an idiot and knocks some not some. Um, a skeleton and some marble down a big well wakes lots of goblins up, and then they get rushed in as a big fight scene. And that's the that's the basics of it. Anyone who's seen the film will know. Um, but so in this this sort of first version of the scenario, um, the first thing it says is on a four by four board, which is much bigger than the than the current one. It's a huge board, and there is a raised platform in the middle with with Banner's tomb, which is ten by six inches, um, and then you've got four entrances. Um, on the, the the north, south, east and west, essentially on this big 4x4 board. And the participants are the full fellowship um, on the good side. Doesn't give any details about what equipment they may have at that point, at least not in the in that section of the writing. And then the evil side is 36 Morio goblins, three goblin captains and the cave troll and it's split into three groups of 12. Um, and you must have 12 spears, 12 swords, 12 bows. And the cave troll can be put with any part of any group. Um, It gives you some rules for points match if you wanted to play. So at least 500 points of size, it says, and no more than um, 33% sort of bow limit. So that's all in there. Um, Talks a little bit about the layout, which I've already said. Um, Other than that, it should be like broken scenery and masonry and, and then things like that. Starting position as so the good side sets up at entrance number one, which is sort of the south edge of the board. Um, and once the good side is set up, the evil side sets up one group at each of the three remaining entrances. Um, each group composes of one third of the number of models, uh, models available on the evil side. So I'm guessing your only real um, choice there in terms of your deployment is how you're splitting up your bows and your spears and your your shields and where you put your troll. Other than that, it's pretty um, formulaic. Um, objectives the good side must attempt to reach the entrance on the opposite side so north and leave the chamber with as many models as possible the evil side must try and slay as many of their enemies as possible before they can escape the good side wins if more good models escape from the chamber than are killed Um, if you are playing with actual participants um you basically, one of the escapees must be Frodo. Evil side wins if more models are killed than escape. If you're playing with the actual participants, you if you automatically win if you kill Frodo. Essentially, all um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but boom, boom, in, in the event of equal numbers, um, it's a draw. Logical game is played until one side or other has either escaped with sufficient models or sufficient models are slain. So it just keeps going until the the objectives are met. Special rules. In the first turn, the evil side is only allowed to act with one of its groups. Um, The evil player can decide which group to activate. The good player gets priority, standard rule, and the evil player will be able to see which way his enemies move before activating his force. In the second turn, the evil player can activate one of its remaining two groups. In the third turn, the last group is activated. Note that because the evil forces are divided in this way, this makes it an ideal game for an evil team of three players. At this battle takes, sorry, as this battle takes place before the Fellowship's encounter with Gladriel in Lotharion, basically can't have elven cloaks, but other than that it seems like you can equip them with all their other bits and bobs. Note that low walls and obstacles that litter the chamber are no barrier to the movement of the goblins, enabling them to cut corners and leap over walls, whilst good models are weaving about to try and get out of the way. That's quite thematic, um, obviously they've got quite cave dweller now. Mario Goblins which helps them with leaping and things but this means they just crawl, crawl right over and if you remember from the film they're, they're calling up vertical services and things aren't they so that covers that quite well but but that's it, that's the the first ever version as far as I'm aware of the and Tomb scenario um, and the first major thing we'll, we will compare a little bit with the latest one because we know that some of you will know what, what it's like even before we read about it, that it's a full 4x4 board which is which is huge and feels kind of oversized compared to what it would be in the film anyway. Um, and the uh, one uh, old
1: Trek with movement for Hobbits. Like. It,
0: it is, isn't it? It is. Um, and um, but it's a very different scenario. I'm not sure it encompasses the feel of the film. Um, and uh, when you see pictures of the, the board set up and there's a bit of a spoiler here, this. This version is used later on in another publication and they're just using kind of ruined walls inside. Um, it doesn't look like the film either. This has got, it's kind of feels like inspired by the film, but they haven't actually tried. It feels like they've taken the, the scene from the film but also just tried to turn it into uh, a, 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 a more of a regular game at the same time. Though it looks like an enjoyable scenario to me, but it just doesn't scream the narrative from the film. So it looks like it might be fun to play, but wouldn't yeah? There's too many differences from the film to make me think we are re you know recreating recreating that's not a word is it? Recreating the uh, the scene so to speak. Whereas the, as we get on to the the latest scenario, seems very much like you are um, trying to recreate it.
1: You got yeah, strikes me it? as being sort of early days of um, Middle Earth when it was more about creating. Uh, a game system that sat within the universe, it wasn't necessarily lending itself to the narrative of the universe, it was just enabling you to play with almost play games of Warhammer with Lord of the Rings models.
0: Yeah, maybe on
1: like. their feet with it. Early versions of some of the scenarios were very much like that, they played to a more formularic sort of uh, yeah. gaming trope, four by four boards, etc.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, I, I think they're what they clearly. the the, the walls and things that they're using inside them people can't see this so I'm looking at the the top down map and they look like sort of right angle little walls and when you see them in a later publication they're just using the basic ruins you got with the original starter set so the clearly they want it designed so that people can grab and play this with their existing things and that the balance tomb um, is very easy to make from a raised platform and then a, a little box in the middle that's all you really need and that doesn't actually do anything in the game either and it tells you the size of what the raised platform should be but then there's nothing in the there's, there's nothing in the in the scenario that says well being by it does anything so it's just a terrain piece, essentially, so why it says it must be of a certain size, I'm not sure, because I don't think it makes any difference. It doesn't say how high it has to be, just as a raised platform, so how raised does it need to be? Maybe they want it so raised that you have to the the, the fellowship have to climb, and the, the goblins don't, and that makes it even harder for them. I don't know. But, yeah, it doesn't look like a terrible thing to to play. It looks like it might be fun, but definitely doesn't have that kind of feel for it. And then I'll pass over to you then, Dan, so you can talk about um, the next version.
1: Yes, uh, the next version, as we know. Obviously, we may get this wrong. There may have been oh, versions the, the that we haven't The order might
0: not be perfect here. There might be a couple that the, the order's slightly out, so um, forgive us. And uh, any pedants out there, please do write in. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it warms us in the uh, the cold of winter to know that uh, we got stuff wrong. Joker aside, um, I'm actually interested. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the next book we're going to talk about well next publication, Fellowship of the Ring Journey book. So, this was quite a departure from the uh, previous first edition rules set. This is Scenario 12, Barlin's Tomb. Mm-hmm. So, the biggest dis- uh, difference in this is we've gone from a 48 inch um, square table to an 8 inch 18 inch square table. So, it's, it's, it's shrunk by a considerable there. margin. It's a
0: weird size though, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's, that is... Mm, very, very small. Do you think and so, they just
0: hadn't? They just happened to have that off cut <laughs> bit of MDF, and I went, What choice would make it? Oh, that's about the right size, isn't it? What size is that? Is that two foot? No, but it'll do, though, won't it? Yeah, it'll be right because it's, it's just <laughs> this is a bit weird, it's a, bit, a bit random it, size. It,
1: it does seem like an odd size to do it for, but it does seem to come close to something more claustrophobic. Yes, um, size yeah. of the tomb itself,
0: to be fair to them, that might be a reason for it.
1: Yeah, so um the participants is uh, naturally the uh, the fellowship, the uh, all nine members. Evil, we have two goblin captains, eight goblins with shields, eight goblins with spears, eight goblins with orc bows, and a cave troll. Yep. Which uh the same sort of the Pearl. Obviously, it, it kind of that, that sets a bit of a trend for the remainder of things. Uh for other publications. So um yeah, much smaller, although to be fair that's still an awful lot of goblins in a relatively small amount of space. <laughs> yeah. It's only what, what 12 goblins and one, gob- and one goblin captain less in a board that's about a third of the size.
0: Yeah, it will look just over, it will look visually better. Um, but um, I suppose this is designed to do a slightly different thing, isn't it?
1: This is, this is very true. So, um, there we no longer have uh small wall sections in the middle of it, we've got your four pillars, uh, Barland's tomb itself. By this point, obviously, the uh, the plastics have been about because they're featured in the uh the pictures yes and uh, the um well itself um they're not too specific about that either where it just it's not in the center
0: yeah well uh, this publication is obviously after the um quite a few of the next ones then so they're definitely in the wrong order looking at those plastics bit i can remember when this when the fellowship journey book came out and whether it's before or after that starter bit clearly was after the minds of Moria starter so we are definitely wrong so pedants we've spotted it ourselves but yeah carry on dan
1: sorry <laughs> so the good model deploys his models within six inches of the center of the board uh, and the evil player doesn't deploy any models at the start of the game they move onto the board as the game goes on so, um, the evil side wins if five or more members of the Fellowship are slain, or if Frodo is slain, and the good side wins if the game ends before this happens. So, uh, basically, there's an unstoppable tide. The game lasts for ten turns. As the battle goes on, more goblins are drawn towards it. At the end of each evil movement phase, the evil player may take any goblins not currently on the board, including those removed as casualties early in the game, but not including captains that were earlier removed as casualties, and move them onto the board through the doorway. If there's not room to move more on, the goblins will have to be kept to one side until there is room. The cave patrol may be brought into the board in this way from turn 4 onwards, but note once it is slain, it cannot be brought back. So um, evil models automatically ca- uh, pass courage tests for being broken, so uh, they just carry on coming until the game is over. Uh, and it does also give you a little box out for points match if you want to play this scenario with an alternative participants. Evil force of third the size of good force, i.e. if good is 900, evil force should be around 300, and the good side should be entirely composed of heroes. So that's pretty much it for the scenario. It bears more resemblance to the more modern versions of it.
0: It's very, very similar to the latest version. as a a couple of subtle differences, but as we'll come on to, but it's very, very similar. I'm just noticing the picture here as well is that, so while this is most likely um, post-Minds of Moria starter, the picture in the book um, is Metal Fellowship, not the plastic one. So maybe... Maybe this came out before um that, that was released and the plastic fellowship. I have a sneaking
1: suspicion it it did. So someone
0: can tell us, but yeah, maybe those plus that plastic fellowship wasn't available at that point. Um and that was uh, an early early versions of those bits of terrain or something.
1: It's a long time ago and uh, so I, I don't remember exactly, but I'm not entirely sure that the Minds of moria box set was the first time we saw that plastic terrain. Uh, okay. Okay. So that could be it. I, I, I may well be wrong on that one. It was a long time ago and uh, as we'll come to I'll being be surpri- starved. I'd be surprised I if that wasn't the, the that first client.
0: time you could purchase it, but yeah, it maybe it appeared like this in in, in a white dwarf magazine or something. Who knows? But uh it's um it, it, the scenario looks good. Um it's it's very, very like I said, remarkably similar to the the current version. Um having just played it um without giving too much away already, but I wouldn't I think only having the one place that the goblins can come in from um really and having or oh, can i come on from the the well as well does it nope. say no nope. no nope, just the door so just the door and the smaller space um i'm not sure that's helping the evil side to be honest with you um but then uh, yeah but um but but it definitely evokes the feeling from the film yes um, much closer um
1: then there's a small sort of uh how to on uh, making a balance tube similar to the, uh, the actual art, which is basically using foam. They use a little bit of pink foam, yep. and they give you a couple of um, stencils by the looks of things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all templates are shown at fifty percent. Photocopy two hundred percent to produce templates at the correct size.
0: Well, there's so they, uh, such basic scenario, such basic kind of things. They could have just given you the measurements, but that's cool. <laughs> there's literally there's a rectangle and to. Squares with a little chunk cut out, but it's very nice of them to do it. But the measurements on written on there as well could have been helpful, couldn't it? Um, probably, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool, <laughs> it's, but it's cool, it's nice and simple. Um, and uh, can show you how easy it is to make things like this with a bit of uh, with a bit of styrene, yeah. It's quite cool, quite cool. Um, and then we get on to. The next thing, so that's um, so that was in the journey book, and then we go on to the best of white dwarf, Um and then best of white dwarf escape from Balin's tomb. And I started to read the scenario, and it's scenario three in the best of white dwarf, but it is the same scenario that was in the first edition of the rules, and even mentions it. So it says for full rules on how to play this scenario with different forces, turn to page sixty-eight of the rules manual. But it is exactly the same. As the one I read to start with, so I won't bore you all. So we're back to the four by four board, um, and you've got your raised bit in the middle. Um, and then I don't know if you can see the pictures, Dan. Um, can you yes, scroll the bits yes. through? So when you, what this then becomes is a battle report, which we won't give you the details of. Um, look at the size of the tomb. Um, it's, it's enormous. It's it, it the tomb is when you see the cave troll you could put the <laughs> cave troll in it you really you could you could put him in a mate yes so i'm sure this predates what you read from the from the journey book because they would have obviously used the um um they would have obviously used the 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 plastic which they didn't have at this point um, obviously it's a Best of White Dwarf, so what White Dwarf is it taken from? So the White Dwarf it's taken from clearly came before that, whether when they published the Best of White Dwarf, I don't know whether that was pre or after Journey, but who knows. But anyway, it's, it's quite worth, if you've got a got a copy or can get hold of a copy of the Fellowship Best of White Dwarf. The Battle Report's fun to read, but it is the 4x4. Four four. If you want to see how they, how that sort of 4x4 four four version goes, but the um the two, oh, in fact, there's a different picture. It looks like a, a different tomb as well. A bit further on, the picture above Turn 4 um, looks like there's another tomb with the lid slightly pushed off. So I don't know what's going on there. It's like some mausoleum, but that that big...
1: no <laughs> oh dear.
0: So on that same double page, so the Turn 4, Turn 5, yeah. down, there you can see another view of this the tomb in the middle on this raised dais. and The tomb is just huge. And for some reason, in white, and they've modelled it in white, shiny marble, the lid. But you could fit... All four of the hobbits in there, standing up, probably Shove Gimli in there, and maybe one of the uh, the the um, the the men as well, huge. Or as I said, like your whole cave troll down him. So slightly chunky. Don't know what's going
1: on there. But anyway, there's I just a there's go a... on for how young Matt Hudson looks, and <laughs> um, Paul Sawyer, the fat bloke. Yes, he's uh, doing the editorial on it, which yeah, is he was. that was a golden age of White Dwarf. That was. He's over at Warlord Games now, isn't
0: he? Writing for them and doing stuff for them. So, um, yeah. Um, it's a good battle report, don't get me wrong this is a good era, this is an 11 turn multiple page battle report it's a really good article <clears throat> but we're not, you know, we're not really reviewing the article so to speak it's an 11 page, maybe more uh, but it's cool it's cool, it's a good, good bit of fun um, and which brings us on to the, the next publication then.
1: yeah, Battle Games in Middle Earth this would be issue 21 Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the Gimli one, which actually got a pretty cool uh, Gimli on the front of it. Actually, yes, I do like some of the uh, sort of early Photoshop stuff they did. So, <laughs> he's, he's always peering over the top of the battle and looking quite sternly down at the Fellowship.
0: Uh, there's a there's a Gimli painting guide in this one as well. I think we mentioned when we've we've discussed other yeah. scenarios and has gone into the battle games of middle earth and i've not added it to our show notes but there is a Gimli painting guide as, as well which and isn't
1: too bad. a cardboard uh, standee of a cave troll Let's there not is, forget that
0: there is there is a cardboard cave troll since so this again obviously we've got this bit in the right order it definitely predates the uh the mines of moria style set and and
1: a balrog one actually come to think of it
0: is it the same edition this one yeah it does, yeah yeah They're on the same know, page know no, you'll need the barog for, for the next edition or something i don't know but it's it's quite cool
1: yes so um they give you a sort of a general overview which is uh you know talking about the the, the events that uh barlin's tomb are in in terms of the uh the, the book or the, the movie and then you get your base profiles so we've not really done an awful lot of. Um, Comparison between those particular profiles in this publication and the uh, more recent uh, profiles that you get, but they're broadly similar. So uh, you've got sort of your, your typical uh, fight value three hobbits and fight value six Boromir and Aragorn, Gimli, etc. So it's not wholly dissimilar to how things are nowadays. Um, and then it gives you. Um,
0: I think they're Some the same. Added I extra... think they're pretty much the same. So you got Aragorn with his three might plus his. it he says plus one in brackets. I think I think we we pretty much there. Um, yeah. The it?
1: um the only difference with the is the fact that the way they've interpreted uh Sting and the Mithril Coat, um, yes. they've pretty much put those the way it affects his profile in in the brackets on the base profiles.
0: Yes. Yes. But yes.
1: That, yeah, again, it's, it's it, is, it it's is slightly different anyway, but yeah, it's
0: it's cool, so it's all on one page. Of that there's a there's some pictures with mini descriptions with their war gear and stuff, and it's it's quite nicely presented actually. And it's quite easy to navigate. So, if you were using it as a way to play, you could have that sheet and you, you're kind of there, aren't you? Yeah, and I one, think it's a, one page, a pretty does nice way of one page does it all. Um, so if you were say you were buying this, this part work magazine to collect and, and grow with it, then it's eminently playable really really easily from that one page um i'll hand back to you to talk us through the the immensely detailed scenario
1: yeah it's um you move to a 24 um inch square table which is uh, you Two know obviously increasing things a bit yeah uh they've added a corridor uh which is uh an interesting addition actually because which will come to you later because it enables them to prepare models onto the board that yeah. you can't just roadblock them at the door. So um, a corridor measuring no more than 30 centimetres or 12 inches uh, by, again, 12 inches, leads off on one edge as, uh, as shown as, as we're looking at it from the south. Place um, and columns around the area and position bar and sarcophagus in the dead centre of the board. Um, there's a modelling workshop um, and which enables you to create the scenario, which, uh, the scenery for the scenario, which is cool. Um, The fellowship models must begin the game touching the sarcophagus. Um, Gimli must begin on top of it, which is pretty cool. And the goblins, the cave troll, and the goblin captain begin anywhere within the outer corridor. So they've actually given the scenario special rules a bit of a name. So they've said, obviously, that the uh, goblins and the cave troll don't uh, run away. They never take uh, courage tests. The drum's in the deep rule, which I think is quite cool and so winning the game the good side wins if 20 evil models are killed and the evil side wins if one or more good models are killed so actually it's pretty tough you got to protect those uh, uh hobbits i think
0: um and those will come on to when we when we do our game coverage um i think if you uh, there's only one way they're coming on there through that doorway you if you rush if you rush your hobbits back um and you run your big hitters forward um then you shouldn't have too much problems. No, well yeah, this is in the days before 20. correct
1: march. That's
0: true, but even then the the goblins are going to be running towards you anyway, so you're going to meet them. If you run your goblin your your you're you're still going to take them least to the second maybe probably the third turn before they can get round to your weaker models. So if you if you're running your survivable models forward um you're going to be fine, aren't you? And, and and as we all see when we talk about our game, those those heroes can uh, can make a mess, can make a mess and munch through some numbers and twenties. Not an absolutely, it's not a crazy amount to do. Um,
1: no, it's definitely not. But, um, but hey ho. Um, so they they give you a couple of bits of tactics um, explaining the strengths of the different characters from the fellowship, which is quite good, and then giving some tips for the evil characters as well. Yep. And then you get a pretty good uh, little terrain workshop, which is far more old school GW, where it's less about uh, please buy Clippers 3 from Games Workshop and far more about <laughs> you get any of these bits from anywhere. I mean, they include the words Junior Hacksaw,
0: <laughs>
1: which, you know, you, you can't imagine ever putting that in White Dwarf again, can you?
0: No, no, absolutely. Well, it, it wasn't a White Dwarf, I suppose, was it? But a hot wire cutter as well. That's Yeah. You will need a hot wire cutter. I mean, that's... Not that That's not all those other things you'd think that people could get hold of fairly easily. But the hot wire cutter might be a bit tricky for um, for some people. But I imagine people just got around that with, like I did as a as a kid, by using a hacksaw on foam or using a kitchen bread knife or something like that and uh, making a mess. Um, but it's quite a good board. Um, yeah,
1: it's nicely detailed.
0: Yeah, there's some. You, I wouldn't say I want to use it as the only kind of guide to building it, but the kind of looking at all the different pictures of the different ones they've used. This is one that gives you some some really good ideas, and making the pillars and stuff are quite cool. So, um, and the raised sides, and I know that uh, Lockie over at Zorba Zorba kind of made one use. Obviously, his the whole thing was is repeating what's in these magazines, isn't it? So he's built it in the same way, but it looks all right, it's pretty good, and it's definitely some inspiration for my board in mm-hmm. terms of the way it's designed here and I think when you look at the map for the latest scenario in crest of the Barrow, which again I keep saying, we'll come on to at the end um you can see that that's got some of this design in there as well, especially the raised bit going around the end um and it doesn't <laughs> Um, just steal a a line from Damien in in Battle Games of Middle Earth, and they talk about the alternative approach to the uh, toothpick sarcophagus. So it's just like using just use some chunks of foam card. Um, so it does show you can make it in a more basic way, but it's really detailed. It's like ten pages of um, of sort of how to build this this board versus the one page scenario. And when we say one page, it's mainly pictures with like like four little paragraphs stuck to it. It's cool though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I love the fact it's actually got the old GW um, foam cutter in there. Has
0: it? I've scrolled past That's over. a bit of nostalgia. Did it work?
1: Yeah, it was good. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to I used to use one of those back in the day. Burnt myself a lot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me about foam cutters um <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, but uh yeah that was um i i've, I've I haven't really looked at most of the um battle games and middle earth magazines I, I didn't do them at the time i missed out on them and actually looking back on some of this stuff from now and particularly when they've gone through them on the battle streams streams there's there's a lot of fondness for some of the old nostalgia in there and you know yes. although i wasn't didn't do the magazine i was around at the time so it harks back to that time
0: yeah i totally agree it's like looking for old white Dwarfs to me it gives it gives you that kind of all fuzzy um, memories of younger times and uh, for many reasons they're really really cool I love looking back for them definitely reminds me of old school GW which I don't you know I'm not so some people think as some of your grognars out there thinks the world was so much better back then I don't think it was but well, I think it's just psychologically you, you remember the excitement that you had as a as a younger person especially a kid playing some of these things and uh, I think that's why they're so popular but I love them they're really really cool Right then, so next one then, so we're on to the big blue rulebook now, Um, and we have Scenario Barland's Tomb, Um, and this is um, where it changes a little bit, Um, this is the same edition as the Minds of Warrior starter isn't it, the big blue one, is that
1: right? Well, I do believe so.
0: Yeah, I think it was the small blue. You, you got the, yeah, the the booklet in this. The shrunk one was the big, the version of it. So anyway, I'll go through this because it's actually a scenario to read out rather than the last couple. Well, there's not really much there. So again, you got the normal description. I won't I won't bother doing that. But um, so the participants are the fellowship. Um, evil is is eight eight and eight for goblins with bows spears and shields. Cave crawl with chain and either club or spear. No captains. <laughs> No captains, just just the gobbos. Um, points match um, tells you you can if you want to play points match you should. Um, it said the good side should contain seven hundred fifty points worth of heroes. The evil player should select two hundred points worth of evil models. That tells you, all we need to know about this um, um, this scenario. We it's obviously you don't want the don't want the fellowship losing too often, do you? That was not really the point. Um, so the layout is on an 18 by 18 board again so we're going to this is a small board and we say going back to we don't we don't know the order these are in um uh, I've got some theories why it was like this but I think' cause partly because it was linked to the, the starter set and it shows Barlin's tomb in the middle the four pillars at uh, the trapdoor and the well which you obviously got all as part of the terrain in the starter box and it shows you where they're placed um to the wells to the side trapdoor to the to the um to the back um and the good player has to place their models within three inches of Balin's tomb. The evil player does not set up any models at the table at the beginning of the game, but deploys them onto the table as the game progresses. Um, at the beginning of the first move, eight Mario goblins with shields move onto the, the table through the door. Um, objectives. The good side must keep Frodo alive and escape from Balin's tomb as they make their way to the Bridge of Khazad-dum. To win this scenario, the good player must kill the cave troll. The evil side wins immediately if Frodo is killed The game. Is a draw. uh, The game is a draw if any two characters from the fellowship are killed. I do quite like the objectives on that, though. It's slightly different to the model. I quite like the fact of rather than just, always we'll get to, playing the game through until uh, a certain turn count, I quite like the idea that the fellowship are trying to kill enough and then escape, which is kind of what it was like a bit in the film, wasn't it? They had killed most of them, but it was only like a short break, wasn't it, before they uh, were chased after they got out of the room. So I did quite like that. Um, interesting, definitely interesting. Um, special rules. Tyler Goblins at the end of each turn, sorry, at the end of each evil move phase after the first, roll a d6 on a 4+, plus, a group of 8 Moro Goblins moves onto the table, entering play through either the doorway or the trapdoor until all 24 Moro Goblins are in play. Newly arrived models may act normally, except that the player may not charge in the turn they arrive. At the end of the evil player's third move, the cave troll arrives automatically through the door. Um, during play, the evil player must um, should place more goblins removed from play to one side. When these models reach a total of eight, they may automatically be brought back into play through either the trap door or the door at the beginning. So, some similarities to the latest one, um, but slightly different mechanics in the way they work. So, but. Uh, I don't. I don't hate that scenario. To be honest with you, Not quite um, out of all the ones so far, that's the one I'd think I'd closest want to closest to what it should be. Yeah, yeah I'd want to, and I, I wouldn't mind trying this version of it now to see how differently it plays from the from the new one because the the objectives are quite different in terms of needing to escape um, and you know only. The jeopardy is there to try and keep two characters on the fellowship alive, and just needing to escape. But but you also have to kill the troll as well, so you do you can't just run away. So that means you've got to stay there till at least a certain turn. You've got to balance it. I quite like it. I can see, I can I don't know how well it will play, but it looks like there's some balance in it for for both sides. So it feels more balanced. Um, obviously that you got your points mismatched at the beginning, but you can keep bringing back numbers of vain. Obviously eight goblins are not going to add up to anywhere near the uh, 550 uh, point deficit that the evil player starts with i know i know you get multiple t- lots of eight but not until eight have been killed so it's not like you're going to be massively outnumbering the, the the fellowship i do quite like the idea that you want to be keeping your your goblins blocking the doorway a little bit and um get some get try and get that troll to to kill one or two models i think i think it could be tight it could I think it could give a feeling of we d- might be worth just playing this one day now to see how different it is maybe not on the board that board size maybe keep with the board as we had it um, um rather than try to cut it down it seems a bit it seems pointless but just i quite like the the wing conditions and seeing how differently that would be if the, if the fellowship were actually trying to escape um i think it might be tighter but it was cool
1: yeah I think it's a different way of playing that game. I don't think I'd have been able to play it, for instance, the same way I played as we did on Tuesday. So
0: no, you'd have you'd play it more like you did at the end of the game when you were yeah. making sure that. Yeah, or we, we, slightly spoilers here, but um, so um, and then over to you for the Minds of Moria starter booklet.
1: Yes, scenario four, battle in Barlin's tomb. Yes. So um, this one's very different from some of the others. For a start, you've got a, a 42 centimeter by 56 centimeter board. So it's rectangular. Yeah. And this is blatantly to be played on a coffee table. Yes. Starter set. So this is cool. Um, the forces is the fellowship. And evil is eight goblins with bows, eight goblins with shields, eight goblins with spears, and a cave troll.
0: The same for as a, the the big r- blue rule book essentially. Yes,
1: but the contents of the box. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> so, uh, starting positions: Gimli is placed touching the front of Bylin's tomb. The Hobbits must start in base contact with the well. Gandalf starts in contact with the open book, because obviously you get your open book. Uh,
0: okay, I like those.
1: Aragorn starts in touch with one with one rusted axe. Legolas touching the treasure chest, and Boromir the other rusted axe. Mm-hmm. So it is actually in some ways quite thematic to the book, uh, the, the movie.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: which I, I I do quite like. I'm looking at the pictures
0: of those rusted axes, and the they aren't the ones you get in the start in the scenery set, are they?
1: Uh, I honestly can't remember now. They might be. They maybe yeah. are. Uh, they might be on one of the sprues that you no longer yeah. get.
0: Yeah, yes, true. Maybe they are. I, I got my. I didn't buy my set. You, I bought it, kind of got it used, a couple of extra pillows but that may be slightly different. I think I've got a couple of little mounds of weapons on, but um, yeah, I don't think I've seen those before. But anyway
1: yes the evil player may play six goblins within eight centimeters of the doorway and two murray goblins touching each trap door uh the evil player may choose between bows spears or shields for these models the remaining goblins and the cave troll do not start the gameplay or become available later so um the good player wins if the fellowship slays the cave troll the evil player wins if any four members of the fellowship have killed so it does put a bit more pressure on the evil player to try and kill more members of the fellowship yep. and the game ends as soon as one player completes their objective. So it would be highly unlikely and I don't think it's actually possible to draw the game.
0: No, I agree.
1: So you don't agree um, either, to be honest with you the priority phase um, the, obviously the fellowship go first as is usual and then both players roll off and the troll arrives the first turn of the priority roll is a tie and the troll appears at the end of the turn Uh, so that's an interesting way of doing it and potentially means you won't get them for a long time that makes things pretty hard for the evil player
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: and then it sort of leads you by the hand um through how to sort of play the game really play the scenario it does mention uh further rules trapdoors um goblins that did not start at the book uh move on later in the game uh rules for chapter same as before so roll one d6 for each Trapdoor, on we'll score five five or six a Morrow goblin appears um basically you can put friendly models on top of it and sort of block them off
0: yeah yeah yep, yep. so you can
1: uh, basically yeah just yeah just go and stand on them and then uh, obviously the cave control arrives when uh, a priority is drawn so and then the normal goblins can just pretty much move on through the door. As uh, the uh, each end phase, the player may roll a dice, and the score is the the number of goblins that can come on through the door. So you can get up to six.
0: Okay, yeah, I quite like it. It's different, isn't it? There's lots of different elements to it. Um, and yes, yeah,
1: it makes it pretty hard. I think.
0: Yeah, you should say it's presented it's in a way rare. that's a kind of continuation of of teaching you the rules. Um, this obviously yes. is a starter book. This is scenario four in the starter book. On the second page of it, it reminds you, so you, you, here's your move phase, and this is how you move the troll, and there's your shoot phase. Remember, it's like this from the, the last scenario kind of thing. So there's kind of this, it's part of that kind of. I don't know when that first started with rules, um, but. Um, it seems to be a common thing now, isn't it? You'll get your, your thin, floppy book within your starter box, and it's kind of takes you through bit by bit. It was the same with the Hobbit starter as well, the Goblin Town one. It was a take you through, teaching you scenarios. When you added a few more rules each time, it's quite a good way of doing it. But the uh, yeah, the, the scenario's got some similarities with what's in that big blue book, but also it kind of is a few extra little bits which maybe would be nice to have in there. I think you you can combine the two and have quite a good scenario, but it's quite cool
1: yeah yeah i think it definitely plays to uh, what it is being a a starter set ideally for playing on the coffee table before you uh, better establish yourself as a hobbyist and no access to gaming tables etc yes absolutely so uh, we'll move on and now we we hit uh, quest of the Ringbearer. so apologies if we missed any uh, in between but uh, we found what we found so um Barling's tomb page 32 they're not numbered in the same way as uh uh, the other books for the uh, Quest of the Ringbearer. So, so we're going to we're going to cover
0: this just before we do our rundown of the game, aren't we? So, um, yes. Um, so what we'll do is we thought we'd um, before we go into the the latest scenario bits, we'll do that just before we talk about our game, which is won't be very long, but we'll cover on some of the additional material that's uh, that you can get. There are actually. I found two other kind of Barlin's Tomb related scenarios in some of the earlier publications. Um, In Scenario four in Shadow and Flame supplement, um, and I think it's the same in the Morian Agmar Army book. Um, You've got a scenario that's set in, uh, I think it's a two-by-two Barlin's Tomb set up, but it's um, dwarves versus goblins, essentially, post Barlin's death. Um, So that's, uh, yeah, that's a a related but different scenario. Um, but what should we do? Should we um, should we talk about making the board at the end? Let's talk about making the board at the end. We'll we'll go through the um, the the, the what we're into scenario land. Let's go into balance tombs. I think it will. It
1: yeah, they're only here go. to hear you make the board anyway.
0: So. <laughs> well, I, I don't want. It won't take long. We'll just talk about it a little bit at the end. But uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to read out the uh, the balance tomb scenario, the new one?
1: No worries. Obviously, we did cover this when we, we went over the book, but just as a recap, so it's played on a two-foot square board. The fellowship deploys within six inches of the centre of the board. The uh, tomb itself placed slap bang in the middle, and the goblins uh, deploy within six inches of the dead south, of the, in the middle of the southern board edge. So the board represents Spiderman's tomb. Uh, the centre of the board is the tomb itself, and the well is placed nine inches from the centre of the northbound board edge. Northern board edge and the section of pillars basically are placed along the sides. So the good player places the fellowship within six inches of the center of the board, the evil player places the goblins within six inches of the doorway to the tomb. Cave draw will be available later on. So the objective is the fellowship have been ambushed by goblins and must now fight them off to survive. The game lasts 10 turns, so again, borrowing from previous scenarios. The good player wins if at least five members of the fellowship, including Frodo, are still alive when the game ends. The evil player wins if five or more good models are slain additionally if Frodo is slain the evil player automatically wins so special rules goblins hide uh, during the end of each evil player's move phases any goblin warriors that were previously slain may re-enter the board from one of the entry points on the board up to one goblin may enter the board from each trap door as long as no good models are stood upon it up to two goblin models may enter from the well and any others may enter via the doorway any goblin models that cannot enter the board may try again next turn Models that arrive in this manner may charge on the turn they arrive, so that's always a bit of a headache. Uh, and they have a cave troll. Uh, during the evil player's fourth movement phase, the cave troll may enter the board from the doorway and may charge the turn it arrives. During the turn it enters the board, the cave troll may move through friendly goblin models. Any goblin model will move through this manner uh, suffers a strength three hit, and any goblin model that the cave troll finishes move on is automatically slain, which I think is fantastic. It you know, <laughs> squishes it flat. Uh, So the participants, uh, the the Fellowship, obviously. And uh, evil is two Moro Goblin captains, 24 Moro Goblins, eight with shield, eight with spear, eight with orc bow, and one cave troll with two-handed hammer and troll chain. So it's kind of a bit of a mix of everything, really, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the board setup is one I've, I've pretty much copied for the board I made. I think it feels most like what you see in the in the film, so it's compact enough by being two by two, so it's just like the like the you know slightly larger than the eighteen inch board that was there, but um, it feels about right in the map that it shows. You didn't tell you how many pillars and stuff to have, but it does show you eight, which is obviously four more than you get in that terrain set. Um, team in the middle the the well directly behind which is where i think it was in the film because it's been in different positions on some of the maps in these previous scenarios you've got your two trap doors at the sides um on the raised platforms um it just feels like it's spread out quite well it's missing the entrance door that's the only thing i've put on the board but um so if you they, with the fellowship actually enter the the chamber don't they they enter i think they enter from a different place and the goblins come in i may be wrong I'd be misremembering it, but I feel like they came in through a like a smaller bit at the back, and then there's another door where they come through. Might might have got that wrong, but um, so that's one thing that's a little bit different. But in terms of the balance, it seems it's the same number of goblins. You get everything else. Any differences? You your, your captains are back, aren't they? Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really have many thoughts going into it other than. It feels like it's going to be quite hard for the if you wanted to think about winning as a as the evil side, killing five of the fellowship is is a lot. It's mo, it's more. Is it probably the hardest um, win conditions out of any of the scenarios? I think some you've got to kill one, but the fellowship we've got to escape, etc. Um, I don't know. I think it means that um, the fellowship can play quite defensively, can't they? You just you try and key if you want to you you've all you've got to do is survive 10 turns it's a long time as we know because the game took absolutely ages to play um <laughs> but um yeah it's um, and maybe it's maybe it fits the narrative actually thinking about it because the it felt like the fellowship were just trying to kill and kill and kill until there was no nothing left to kill that their whole point at that time was survival maybe escape wasn't in it but um Um, I suppose it's it's weird, isn't it? Did they, did they, would they talk about escaping? I think they said bar one door and leave one slightly ajar or something. Wasn't there, wasn't there a line? In in the book, definitely. Yeah. So, so maybe they were trying to escape. I don't know. I I can't remember too much, but it it feels like the film. And that's the most important part. Um, Having read through all the others, there are a couple of elements that I quite like from the others. Um, Having played the game as well. Um so you you were you were the fellowship, I was the, oh was the goblins. Um we, I think we did it just out of logic really. We thought um with me with the camera and the board here on my desk and you two hundred odd miles away, it would be a lot easier for you to try and control nine models than it would be to try and think about the placement of, of you know, twenty five models if they were all on the board at the same sorry, more twenty six 27 models of everything was on the board at the same time. So, um, And I think that was the right decision. I think it worked that way. It might have been a little bit harder for you to kind of move the goblins in and see where the goblins were because they're half hidden by the board in the doorway, so it's hard to get a camera angle. Um, How did you find it?
1: I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we had a few problems. Uh, Facebook wasn't exactly playing ball with the quality of the video. It was neither of us. Both of us had fine internet in every other respect, just... The video quality. I'm guessing it's getting highly stressed at the moment with the way the world is and people. Yeah. You know, having- when we did it before, we
0: did a mixture of of uh, well, the first one we did, we just used Discord and, and had a fixed camera. And then when we played our second lot of games last year, I we ended up using Facebook quite a bit more because it was just easier to be to be mobile with the with with the mobile, so to speak. So this time, um, I set up a couple of tripods so I could fix the camera, fix my phone on it, and point directly at the board. Um, but then I just clip it off and, and, and sort of get in closer when, when Dan wanted to see two interactions. And that seemed to be the right way to go. Um, maybe I need to get a gimbal on my um, proper camera and, and still gonna, and use Discord in that and get the best of both worlds, so to speak, if Facebook's going to be a bit unreliable in that sense. But last time we used it, it was perfect, wasn't it? And so uh, it was just the, yeah, look at the, the like a drawer, I
1: suppose. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: not the end of the world. We managed to play it, but it was the first time that the video quality was a pain, and it wasn't our fault. I mean, I'm filming it with an iPhone 12, so it's not like it's the the the, the hardware. It's it purely yeah. was the, what was going on with Facebook. But, but it was still cool. We could still make it work.
1: Um, yeah and it was we still able to determine things i just had to occasionally uh double check that the person i thought it was was the person i thought it was yeah um which was fine Um uh, we it, all got away area
0: it works like that you know we were both kind of like well i think you should probably do this that would be made better if you move that person there because you'll get the best option of this and that and that, we kind of worked the game like that anyway um so it, it wasn't a matter of if we were trying to play a a, a match play game it would have been difficult um it would have been very hard for one for, for you to to not be a disadvantage so to speak um, but because it was a, a narrative game when we're, we're kind of working together to try the scenario and basically tell the story because that's what you're doing with this you know? i think my overall thoughts at the end of it was i felt as the evil player that i was the gm really giving you an experience to play the fellowship in that in that scenario setting um i had lots of fun bit, doing yeah. it but it uh, but not because i felt like i was giving anything to the game other than really putting goblins there for you to kill is quite... I found it quite hard um, for the evil. Um, The power of um, Aragorn and Boromir was huge, and you've got some figures you can read out in a minute. They're astonishing number of things that they killed. Um, That's why I perked up when we read through some of the other scenarios, and I quite... some of the different objectives, because I feel killing five of the Fellowship is is quite difficult. A tall order. Um, A very tall order. Yeah, it's just... uh, I was the amount of times that um, that I was trapping completely um, Aragorn or Boromir and you're just rolling a six, won't you? Pretty much every... I think we worked out that in the ten turns
1: um, the, Yeah, they were in combat nine of them I and don't, I think, I, I don't um, think
0: I ever run, I didn't think I ever struck, did I, against them? I can't remember uh, I think I think six times you just you struck against Aragorn once. Once, so out of those two characters, which was you know, the core of the combats were based around Aragorn and Boromir dominating pretty much in the doorway. Um, and they were pretty much getting surrounded every time, um, but you were able to do you know, heroic combat because of that. Or, But then I can't just step back and, and not engage you so you don't heroic combat um, because the whole point is I've got to get by you to kill you. Um, and yeah, I was I was doing anything I could. I was completely around you, and I was sometimes had nine against you know nine nine dice ready in my hand, and just not going to roll them because you'd you'd roll your six.
1: Um, yeah, the amount of times that I mean, the first two turns, Aragorn rolled fives and you rolled sixes, but I just had yeah, to be in a ju- point of his might just yeah. to do it early early doors. Just and to I make sure he you first combat. at
0: that point, so you weren't even in a you know you were just using your free one. Then you weren't using that for you, you either using your yeah, free yeah, one heroics. to do that, or you were doing it for your heroic combat. So. It was it it was very much rinse and repeat, and very few. It was very hard to get the few goblins round the sides to really put some pressure on the hobbits, which were at the back. I it probably, was mostly the
1: archers that were causing was, problems for the hobbits. Well, I was shooting,
0: but I didn't. I don't think I took one wound off anyone with an archer. Um, maybe one in the whole game. Uh, you took Pippin's fate off. There we go. So we're talking ten turns, and that's and and. and we were respawning a lot. Well, I, I, you can read out the figures of how many models you killed over and over and over again. Um, the troll's obviously dangerous, but he's not dangerous to to probably four of the big characters that you got there. They can all deal with them comfortably by themselves. The goblin captains. Looking at the, I'd rather have a. I'd rather have to kill less models than have the captains there. So mm-hmm. You see that some of the early scenarios when they don't have the captains. I don't think the captains just aren't good enough to do anything anyway. The fight value is not there to to beat anyone. You can say yeah, you can maybe get them to to attack a hobbit, but it's quite it's quite hard to get them to the point when you, when you can get them there and they don't respawn anyway. So maybe I could have put the captains in at the back. Um, you know they don't have they've only got March. Um, so I, it's yeah, and uh, the other thing is I won what two two um, priorities out of ten. Yeah, your so, priority rolling so that, might, that might have made a little bit of difference. Maybe, maybe I got some more goblins up the board earlier on. It is it's quite cool bringing them on through the trapdoors at the side and bringing to it through the well. But let's still couldn't get them on in enough numbers that I was able to kind of put any severe pressure on on the on the hobbits. And with fight two um, goblins, even the hobbits can get themselves out of trouble a lot of the time. There, it's very hard to uh, to do much. I think um, I killed Sam in the very last turn. I, I was the only one I killed. Um, yeah
1: which it, is highly thematic because obviously beat the question of the ring bearer he he can't die because i won the game yeah and he was the person who took the wound in the uh in the tomb yeah. in the book
0: it didn't feel fraught though it didn't give that feeling of and we've only played it once by the way um and if we played it again and i won another two or three priorities and was able to sort of
1: get put some few, pressure
0: on put a bit more yeah. pressure on. might have helped, but you were sort of in control. But even then it just shows that it's completely surrounding and trapping your two big hitters nine turns out of ten just doesn't do it. Or you just and maybe I needed a bit of luck. I needed you to roll two some low one, dice three, triple yeah. ones I or think two on one and you and you yeah your lowest rolls were like four on each of those. So I think the lowest you ever did was four, wasn't it? Then, Generally, yeah, it came up I, quite on, that. at that point. I was never able to to roll a, a six, so, so quite often I'd roll it the wrong. But a few times I got a six, you were able to match it on my, and then you went on five values. So it just, yeah, it, it was good fun, but it did feel like I was kind of playing the GM to kind of give you that the, the playing the Barnum's boot, do, um, Barnum's tomb experience now, as a campaign, as part of the campaign. Is probably what you need because you got that you you don't want the fellowship to fail at that point, and it is potentially dangerous. Um, so maybe as in terms of its balance on its own as a one-off scenario, it does feel very hard for the evil player, which is you know I wouldn't want. Hopefully, when if Jacob wants to play it and learn to play the game with it, because he really wants to play, he'd want to play the fellowship. But then I'd have to simplify the rules because the fellowship not the easiest way for him to learn. But the last thing I want him to do is play the goblins because it would wouldn't be a very fun fun thing to learn to play the game with which is a shame because it's such an iconic scene but it's a very hard scene to kind of balance in that way i do like some of the bits from those other scenarios i must admit they kind of fellowship maybe needing to escape um and maybe maybe killing one member of the fellowship is is a bit too kind of swingy um maybe killing Having to kill two or three, and then the fellowship have to kill the the troll and escape. I quite like that because that felt like killing the troll was a major objective in the scene, in the film. Yeah,
1: I think three might be all right because Merry and Pippin are very easy to kill.
0: Yes, yeah, three they are, but yeah, you, I suppose you just got to get. I, I I still struggled, but again, some of that could have been a bit swingy with the with the way some of those um, priority rolls and, and some of those some of those fight dice went. Know, maybe that was just a bit of bad luck there, but I think five is tough. I think five is really tough. Um, yeah, and I think I, ten turns. to move in some
1: tough territory. Ten turns was felt
0: long, but um, but maybe maybe it wouldn't be. It felt long, I think, because we, we were talking about this at the end because the goblins are continuously respawning, but most of them are coming through the door. Um, normally, when you get to the, you know late turns in a game you've got a lot less models on the table and those turns go quickly but turn 10 takes just as long as turn one does because you've got you've got in fact turn one's probably the shortest turn of the game isn't it because you're just moving that's the only turn you're not really got combats going on um but it felt like after that there was these at least two or three massive combats going on um that were just kind of rinse and repeat all within it all within sort of a, a 10 inch square around the door on the other side of it um and it once they were once your heroes are there, and we should say where well, we set up. Um, we set up deliberately how the fellowship are on the, the circular display base from the film. So Gimli on the top of the uh, the tomb, and the hobbits at the back, and um, the Aragorn in the centre kind of thing. It looked brilliant, um, and it felt thematic. But that, it, and I think that's probably the logical way of doing it because what you want to do is you want to charge your big hitters forward, um, and uh, y- you ended up moving. It's quite easy in the end for you to move Gimli back to support the Hobbits in the kind of backfield. So we should, you know, we call it just to help out if one or too many goblins got out of the uh, the, the trap doors or the well, and um, Gandalf kind of. Basically it was a bit like a quarterback, wasn't he? Ran 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 around like a like a good midfielder captain, actually covering defense and attack, getting forwards and back kind of thing. He, he and then,
1: was awesome. He did some of the best stuff in that game. Um first turn, he literally just goes all tombstone strides out sorceress blast, two goblins to death.
0: Yeah, and he used that a lot, and it was really, really useful to, to using it in combat as well. So he's just they're just the fellowship is just so strong. So regardless of these goblins re, um, respawning all the time, you've got so much resource that when you do fluff the dice, and it didn't happen too often, but when you did fluff the dice, you can just mite yourself out of the out of out of the out of danger. Um yeah. it just felt very hard. And I don't know. We only played it once, and it, you could have played it another time, and it completely the priority switched the other way around, eight to eight to two to me, and. I was able to suddenly squeeze some more goblins around the back, and before you know, and and get lucky with a few dice rolls and kill a couple of hobbits in the first couple of turns, and then suddenly it's a very different game. But it, yeah, it did. It felt very, very samey, sort of from from turns five to seven or eight. It just felt the same. Um, yeah. It it's hard to get to, any, and you played it well, and you protected your goblins, protected your your fellowship in the right way. I quite would have liked the idea of maybe you having to get them off the board rather than just survive, kill the troll, and get them off out of the doorway. Would have been good because that would have you were kind of in that vicinity anyway with the with the with the your big hitters and you could have cleared a way through. I kind oh of, yeah, I kind of like the idea and it means that you can't just hide them completely the for the whole game. It means you have to kind of protect them but try to funnel them out. Um, that even even keeping it as killing five and i still think that's maybe a little bit too many but even then rather than just wait the turn the 10 turns have it as kill five or escape so you've got to kill the troll and escape and then the evil side has to kill frodo and four more or something like that or and three more that i having played it once (laughs) and i should stress this again once i think that would have been better I think that would have been a cool way of doing it. Um, but other than that, I think it's pretty, pretty good. Um, I The only thing I think I could have done better was would have been, May, I kept, so I was bringing, you've got your trapdoors at the sides, so they're kind of east and west, so to speak, and when you think of the door where the goblins coming in the south, I um, was bringing archers up there because they were on the raised platform, seeing the right thing to do, and maybe I was just unlucky, but they weren't killing anything. Maybe I should have jumped them down a couple of turns earlier and tried to, use them in combat more. That's the only thing I think I would change. Because other than that I don't think I could have done anything better. I couldn't do much. I kept saying I can't do much more than get like eight, nine guys into combat with you and completely trap you. Um, unfortunately if you roll a six every time you roll your three dice, it's gonna <laughs> and then when you don't, you know, you roll a five. So either way you're gonna you're gonna mite it up to make sure you don't lose that combat and have all of those strikes on you. So um I think that's that was key, but good fun. I'd make, I'd probably make a couple of adjustments if I was playing it as a one-off, um, but as part of the campaign as a whole, um, it's pretty I think, perfect. I think it will, yeah, because you don't want when when Damien um, uh, gets to it. I think he'll be glad that it's balanced the way it is, because the last thing he wants to do is lose some fellowship members, um, and. Yeah, and depending on who his full fellowship is, it might be more of a challenge as well with the fellowship he's got rather than the the, the one from the from the film. So, um, yeah, that's the other thing. It. Actually, this would be a cool thing to do. Maybe we can we should retry it with your fantasy fellowship.
1: That'll be a very different game. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? That would be a giggle. Um, yeah, i will be well up for trying that. Yeah, I think that will be that'd be pretty good.
0: Yeah, it could be could be fun. Could be fun.
1: A lot of sorcerous blasting going on. I tell you that. <laughs> Not surprised. But, Although, yeah. to be fair, um ra- uh, nature's wrath in that confined area would be pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, oh, it, it's just an, it's another element. But but um, overall, nothing wrong with it at all. I think with some of the other scenarios we've done, I've looked. You know, it's been. I think the newest one is hands down my favourite. Whereas, as much as the setup of this seems my favourite and the way it looks. um I liked some of the special rules and some of the objectives. Probably the objectives more in some of those earlier ones, and I wouldn't mind trying them because I quite yeah. like the idea. Of I think
1: standalone kill. games, I'd agree with you, but it's, as a campaign, I, I like as it is.
0: Yeah, ten, ten turns seems a ten, ten turns seems a slog, it really does. Um, I mean, if you if if goblin captains had strike or something, it might. Feel a little bit more but I lost them early on but maybe that's the other thing I should have done maybe is not have them at the front Um maybe I should have put them put them in the back and try to get around the back with those and, and take on um, take on the squishier targets but again you haven't got a lot of room to manoeuvre to be honest with you but, but it's cool and I would play it again Um cool so a final thing I just want to give a, a few people have asked about the board um I've not, as I alluded to earlier when we talked about it in many meetings, I've not done a, uh, a how-to. I didn't really think about doing a how-to. I did take a couple of pictures through building it, which I mainly to send to you, Dad, um, yeah. to show you what I was doing. But it is blue foam, and the kind of foam that you can get all over eBay. Um, you know, lots of different colours, to be honest with you, but it's the high-density XPS-style foam. It's um, You can actually buy them in two-by-two um, squares and I bought a pack of four I don't think it cost me too much about £20 Um, and it's a 2 by 2 board so it's perfect so I have the one becomes the base of it um, and then around the edges I've built up um, essentially a double layer so uh, these are about an inch thick maybe a little bit less Um, double layer all the way around Um, apart from the door, big doorway where the the, uh, troll comes in I've not used the one you get in the plastic kit for that, because it's tiny, doesn't, the troll doesn't fit through it, its base doesn't even fit through it. It's not just it's not just a matter of height. It's it might be modelled to look like it. But it's like making a castle door but modelling it the size of your front door of your home. It's is the scale's all wrong. So I actually use that smaller door as the door that's in the top. Um, corner where the fellowship come in on the version from Battle Games of Middle-Earth. I think yes. they've got that modelled in there and I seem to remember that from the film that there's a sort of a broken way they came in. But, you know, I could be remembering wrong. So I just left, a, I had an opening, a bit like the Battle Games of Middle-Earth. So grab yourself a copy of Battle Games of Middle-Earth. I've kind of used that traditional styling, um, but then I've modelled the the measurements to the, the latest scenario. So Balance Tomb in the middle the well almost directly behind it i've put the trap doors at the side as described on the latest map um and yeah i've just of it's all blue foam to be honest with you there's, there's no there's no kind of secret to it um so all the, the structure is built out of that, that blue foam apart from the tomb which are glued in in the middle the well um the trap doors and um, i've got eight pillars um, i bought an extra set on ebay or an extra half set so i doubled up the number of pillars i thought it looked right so there's eight pillars along the side which i stuck on a little chunk a little square of blue foam to make them slightly taller so just to raise above the, the the higher level around the edges and um you know if you're seeing listening to me talk and you've not seen the pictures then Go and have a look at our social media because I have those pictures on there um and then I've just scored in all of the brick markings so i draw drawn them on with a pencil and scored them in um, and then I've used rolled up tin foil to create texture on the foam so you just roll it over and bash it and it makes it look like kind of beaten and worn stone um, and that's it really I've built you know added some extra bits of rubble built up made out of uh, plaster of Paris um i make myself plaster of Paris rocks so I get an old baking tray and get some artist ready easy mix plaster of paris and i pour it in and leave it slightly uneven so you get a mix of that's kind of a centimeter thickness in some parts and sort of five mil in another wait for it just set and then just break it up into sort of chunks around the size of a 50p um and then you can i just break them up further as i need them use them on bases you can carve them with your modeling knife and things they just so they make create everything. They create broken castle walls. They can be. You can carve them into a more natural stone. You can use them as broken paving slabs. You know, you just do what you want with them, but it's just really, really cheap. Buy a bag for about six quid on eBay and um, it lasts you forever. I broke those up, put all over there's a bit of sand and um, gravel on there and then primed it black and I didn't even seal the foam. If you stand far enough away and dust it first rather than go in and make it wet. It's when the it's so when the aerosol paint's wet, it activates and starts melting your foam. Um, so if you're using this this, this high-density foam, if you're very careful to start with and just sort of um, do kind of short bursts and leave it to fully dry before you go back, so you're patient and don't go for a quick, thick coat, so you kind of go back and dust a bit more, dust a bit more. It doesn't melt it, but do be careful. If you melt your creation, it's your, your fault. I did warn you. Um, and then it's... Then I did the same afterwards with the grey primer can just to add some kind of almost zenithal and then the rest is just going in with the airbrush with loads and loads and loads of different colour um, inks and contrasts and things. So i added browns and greens and things, a bit like I did for the Helms Deep Board. So you can go and find the video for that, which you put on our YouTube. shows you a little bit how I got those kind of colourings. And then brushed some powders in and um, added some lovely cobwebs from the uh, Green Stuff World Spider Serum for the airbrush. They won't last. They'll 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 wear away. But I'll just add more when I need to. But it does look cool for for the game and for the pictures. And that was it, really. So sorry, I, that's not a real kind of detailed how did how I did it. But hopefully, listening to that and then looking at the pictures of it, um, that will, that will give you an idea. I think when we do a post with the, with the, uh, you're going to do one, aren't you? Are you still going to do one with the, like a write up or?
1: Yes, yeah, that was that was the plan. Um, obviously by the time this is. Has dropped, you all have uh, probably been able to read that on our, our social medias. So you'll already know who won.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. And you um, shouldn't really be surprised, uh, it's, it's a bad day if the Fellowship have, have lost that. But we took lots of pictures throughout that um, don't look too bad, actually, with a, a few little effects and trimming out some of the edges around the back on my desk and stuff. It's still a little bit in show, and I've sent them to Dan, and Dan's going to sort of compile them and do a little bit of a write up. Um, did we say how many models that um, you killed in the end? I don't know if we. I might. Uh,
1: Seventy-seven goblins, both the captains and the troll. Uh, Boromir on his own did twenty-six goblins and the troll, and he did the troll in one turn of combat.
0: Yeah, first turn he came on, just bang done.
1: So- yeah, managed to trap him against the wall, and then six strikes, that 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 dead.
0: Just, just so powerful. Those. Um, Boromir and um, an Aragorn are just so powerful, yeah. and uh, you just can control the. If you get far enough forward, if you deploy in a sensible way, I mean, if you deployed them behind the tomb, um, and the goblins got on a bit further on, it might have been a different game. But if you deploy it the way they set up in the film, and the way they did in some of those early scenarios, and you, you've got them at the front, and you know that they're going to do the the heavy lifting, they can. You know, you you have to be unlucky to, to really unlucky to, to to lose a few turns in a row, um, to to actually kill them. You know, I don't know. I suppose you could roll, you roll triple ones in your first combat and you're surrounded, then you could lose it. But yeah, you just didn't didn't go like that this this time around. But Wilson, we'll, we'll put some pictures. Up. What I'll probably do then, just to save spamming it in our social media, I may well, I might put a couple of pictures up of my uh, miniature realms studios. Uh, Um, social media as well and I may pop a couple of the pictures from the build in there as well so if I do I'll share that over to the at the frying pan group Facebook group so you can go and see that so you can get a bit of an idea Um, but yeah it was um it was good fun. Enjoyed. I'm glad we finally got around to doing it. It's yeah. such a long time. It must some time. dice. Yes, it was. And it was a long, long break from dice rolling. But because um, we played all of our games before Christmas in quite a short sort of period and we had a nice little run. And then you know, we just ran out of time because of Christmas, as we've already said. But it was good to be doing it anyway. Have you got any more thoughts on that before we uh, move on?
1: No, it was just basically um, give it a go. It's good fun fantastic right we will take a
0: short break and we'll come back with dan with a heroic guest match
1: welcome back so uh once again we've come to heroic guest match and uh this month uh, unfortunately this month uh we have uh mr benjamin from Benji's Hobbies. So say hi.
2: Hello, how are we all doing?
1: Well, I'm, I'm good. I can't say for the, speak for the listeners, but hopefully they're all doing quite well as well. So uh, how have you been?
2: Not too bad, not too bad. If, if you hear me hiccuping a little bit, it's because I've had a bit of a heavy night last night. So uh, apologies to everybody listening for, if you do hear the odd hiccup. But other than that, very good.
1: It's good, good to hear it. I mean, uh, you can't be blamed. It was a Friday night. It's uh, as we were discussing previously. We're getting right to the end of this lockdown period, and uh that's that's sort of with freedom. It's, it's the, the days seem longer. So why not have it a indeed?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, well, t- tell the listeners a little about yourself. Obviously, we've had you on before, but. Um, mm.
2: I different uh, guys, I would, I would say. Um, yeah, that was, um, uh, that was kind of uh, in a previous life. It feels like so long ago now, but um, I, I was previously a host on Top Table Gaming uh, alongside Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, um, sort of last summer, I think it was, um, I decided to um, sort of take a step away from Top Table Gaming uh, for, for no other reason than I wanted to do my own thing, um, and I started my own channel called Benji's Hobbies, uh, and basically, I'm just working on um projects that i i kind of want to work on um things that are not necessarily kind of middle earth related some of them some of them are just things that i i wanted to get done and i'm just documenting what what i'm doing basically um so yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun uh i put a lot of time into it at the moment um i don't get videos out as often like so it's probably every um two or three weeks at the moment um I'm, I'm quite happy with that, and uh, and the channel has grown immensely. And I'm so um, amazed, basically, at how many people are actually watching and uh, enjoying the content that I'm putting out.
1: Well, it's really good quality. I, I do, I do watch them. Um, I particularly enjoyed your sort of when you painted your fellowship with your cheeky boromir on horse, and you were talking about literally what makes you passionate, what you're enjoying, and
2: absolutely. Is- and I, I, th- I think it's, um, I think you know, that's that's a big part of the hobby, isn't it? you know it's doing something you're passionate about and i think um you know as 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 a youtuber you know in, in inverted commas a youtuber i think sometimes you kind of lose sight of that a little bit and you're kind of working to self-impose deadlines and, and things and i think it's very important that you kind of bring it back and, and remember why you enjoy the hobby and what you enjoy about it in the first place if that makes sense um absolutely and uh and yeah that 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 for me was my kind of uh yeah, I think there was a bit of a realization there that actually, do you know, I re- this is this is why I enjoy this hobby and this is what I love about the hobby. And uh, yeah, painting the fellowship kind of brought all those old memories back to me of, of what I love about painting and uh, and the sense of achievement that you get with.
1: it. Oh yeah, absolutely. The amount of times that um, we can sometimes focus on perhaps some of the more negative parts of a hobby, and you wonder, well, I know if you're doing it, it's supposed to be a hobby, and then getting back mm. to things like you know the video you did and trying to get in touch with that. You know, for me, uh, sort of seven or eight year old kid who saw these wonderfully painted orcs and goblins in the window of a shop that I couldn't understand, it, all that kind of stuff is is good to get in touch with that because it reminds you of why you started in the first place.
2: Definitely, and uh, you know, for for me, I, I hate batch painting, and it that's probably one of the most soul destroying parts of, uh, of of the hobby for me. I would say is batch painting and you know, when you do like huge batches of models and then all of a sudden you come back to painting heroes and you're like, this is, this is what I'm doing it for. This is what I'm enjoying and this is what I'm loving. So uh, yeah, definitely it kind of all, brought all those feelings back to me of being 13, 14 when I first started, it, you know, in the hobby and uh, cool models and uh, and painting cool stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that definitely has to be mentioned is your pretty awesome shed. Something a little bit <laughs> about your shed
2: yeah so this it's it's my uh, my pride and joy I spend a lot of time in here um so uh, I'm sitting here at the moment and uh, it, it was uh, a tool shed previously um and uh, i i did have a hobby room but it was one of those that was the spare room as well and it didn't really uh, it never felt really felt like mine I didn't feel like I could make mess in there or you know I didn't feel like I could hobby too, let all this music in there so i thought right i'm gonna i'm gonna change my tool shed into a, a hobby shed base um and yeah i spent a bit of time last summer uh insulating it and uh putting some you know some nicer flooring down and um you know painting it and making it feel a bit more like a, a hobby room rather than a, a garden shed and i think you know if you if you didn't know it was a garden shed i don't think it looks like a garden shed
1: no not at um, all when you see it on the videos you're sort of internal shots it's it i'm quite jealous actually it's and, a lovely and space
2: I, and i think um, you know. It, you know when you look at it for you know in, in videos and then you think it's a lot bigger than it actually is but you know i can i can touch pretty much all the walls uh you know from where i'm sat right now it's uh it isn't it isn't the biggest and sometimes that that is a little bit frustrating but you know i i still absolutely love it and uh you know you you work with what you've got and uh i you know there are a lot of people out there that have got bigger hobby rooms but i don't think i trade what i've got for what they've got in all honesty
1: no i mean it's, it's yours and, exactly and this, this
2: is mine and uh and yeah, it's 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 just it's just awesome.
1: Can't argue with that. So moving on to why we're here, who mm-hmm. have you chosen as our two competence?
2: Um so I, I do love love me a bit of Gondor. Um so I've gone for Denethor, steward of Gondor.
1: How awesome stuff. And who have we got fighting Den- Denethor then?
2: Uh, I decided on Groblog.
1: Groblog Moriak, uh, the uh, well he's not quite the king, is he? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: No, he just wears the biggest quite. hat. Yeah, he picked up a hat and decided he was king, I think.
1: Gotta got love a big hat. Got a, I actually really like that model. It's one of the ones that's sitting on my, I think I might like to paint it list, just, just yeah. for the sake.
2: Yeah, he's so exactly. very it really cool. And uh, he, he was out of production for such a long time. And he was like one of those, um, he was one of those almost like dream models for a lot of people because he was so rare. Um, so it's nice that we've had him back for a couple of years now and, uh, and people are actually able to pick him up again.
1: Yeah, on that note, actually, I better pick him up just in case uh, he does get rotated <laughs> out again. I mean, totally, totally a viable system, I think, in order to keep such a vast backlog
2: circulating, it, it, but, but especially for such old models as well. You know, I think he's probably been out for at least fifteen years. Um, you know, in one guise or another. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think definitely a case of picking them up when they're whilst they're available is is a wise choice.
1: You might look at him purple as well for Steve's latest painting competition. That's a point. We shall see. We shall see. Right then. So um, do you want to take us through Denethor's profile, please, sir?
2: Yeah, of course. He is a man uh, from Gondor. He's an infantry model, and he is a hero of valor. So he can lead 15 troops. Um, He has 35 points. So he's he's on the cheap side, as heroes go. Um, As most man models, he's uh, movement six, fight five, pretty good. Uh, Strength four, defense five, two attacks, two wounds, courage five, zero might, free will, and zero fate. Um, he's got armor and a sword, uh, and he has two special rules. So the first one is Broken Mind, um, which makes him a bit of a uh, a loose cannon, shall we say. Um, at the start of every turn, before priority is rolled, the controlling player must encourage test for Denethor. If the test passed, all is fine. If the test is failed, Denethor is controlled by the opposing player until the end phase of that turn. Whilst under the control of the opposing player, friendly models cannot target denethor with shooting attacks or magical powers that cause damage and may not strike if they beat him in fight um and he's got uh there there are other parts of the rule but i won't go into those because they won't be relevant for what we're doing today um but there is also another special rule called the rule of gondor is mine and no others uh, if your force contains denethor then he must be your leader unless your force also contains aragorn which it doesn't so uh again that's
1: yeah, I think in this case, he's definitely the boss.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, yes.
1: So uh, for, for my part, I've got Groblog, uh, Goblin, Moria, Infantry, Hero, Fortitude. So he's not he's not quite as good in that respect. He can't uh, lead as many, but he is 50 points, so he's slightly more expensive. Um, he's move 5, uh, fight 3, 5+, plus strength 4, defense 6, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, 3 courage, 3 might, 1 will, 1 fate. He's got armor, sword, and the mithril crown. The mithril crown, at the start of each fight phase, four heroic actions declared, roll a d6. On a 4+, plus all friendly Mario Goblins in three inches of groblog, gain plus one fight into the end phase of that turn. So um, technically he is uh, eligible for it himself, because he is a Mario Goblin. So uh, we will be rolling for that. He has heroic strike and defense, and he's cave dweller. Obviously not relevant to this, but... A very nifty rule, as so found out when uh, Stu and I were playing out the uh, balance team scenario earlier mm-hmm. in the week. So that's a really cool thing. Anywho, so shall we uh, get to it, sir? So let's do uh, it. I'm going to roll my four plus. Uh, to see if I get plus one fight this turn. I get a two, so I do not. So I'm on fight three. So uh, I'll
2: I'll take my uh my my courage test. Not that it really matters, I, I guess, for this. But let's see if he passes it anyway. <laughs> and he he fails it. <laughs> so I roll I rolled the three. Um so I, I take you're probably gonna be uh charging in anyway.
1: Well yeah he's definitely we'll count him as in. So yeah. he's in. So uh we'll now roll our duel, So two dots I've scored a four high.
2: I got a five. So you do beat me. So I'd like to a- use any might?
1: Uh, I don't think it's worth wasting it at this point because I would have to bin two of it in order mm-hmm. to win the fight at all. So I might save that for your defense five and my strength three. Okay. So go to strike, sir. Uh,
2: so I'm needing fives, aren't I? Yes, you are. And double one. So nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, next turn of combat. I've got a two high and I'm going to switch dice.
2: <laughs> uh, and I've got another five.
1: Uh, I'm definitely not going to bin the uh on that <laughs> yeah. one because even if I get close, you still beat me on fight. So uh, yeah. after you, sir. Uh,
2: and I got one five.
1: Right, I'm going to use my single point of fate, which I get on a five. I'm keeping these dice now, so I've got no more fate, but I still retain my two wounds. Next up, I'm going to roll my four plus this time because I forgot last time. Oh so yeah, 4-plus, So I to fight four. Not that it makes
2: any difference. Any difference. Uh, should, I t- should I take my broken mind rule? Um... Well, I don't think
1: it's affecting combat, really, because uh, no. I mean, so you're just going to fight desperately. I think uh, when you yeah. a very angry goblin in a big hat, he's going to pull Go it together it. a little. So come on, High dice. Yes, six.
2: Whoa, I on. got three.
1: Right, so I got this one. So I am uh, also looking for five with my uh, strength. Oh, strength four and strength four versus your defense five. So yeah. uh, I've got one five.
2: So I just take the wound.
1: You do. Ooh, you Ooh, looking, my... not
2: looking great for Denethor. That high yeah. fight value is great, but uh, the, the lack of fate and uh, only two wounds is a bit of a yeah, not great.
1: Right then, I'm going to give you four plus. Nope. So you still fight three this turn, and should we go?
2: Oh, double ones.
1: Too high. <laughs> right. So two to strike. Two double five. Denethor is oh, cut down. Oh no, he's gone.
2: I thought he'd last a little bit longer than that.
1: Uh, see, some of them last for a while. <laughs> some of them just I've, I've we've had roles where I oh, Stu's just cut me down in the first turn, pff, dead. See you later. <laughs> that, I,
2: I, thought, I thought with that high fight value, he might last uh, you know maybe another turn or so, and I think I, I thought he might do like at least one wound, but it wasn't to be.
1: It was close, close. Luckily I managed to make that fate. Mm-hmm. But uh I, yeah, that's only the second time I've ever won one of these. <laughs>
2: So, I thought I'd give you an easy win there. So
1: oh, yeah, I see. That's how it is. That's how it is. But that that was uh, good fun. It's good to get some more profiles, different profiles onto uh, the cast. So um, before we wrap up, uh, please would you uh, mind just giving us a, a bit of a sort of pimp out of your channel? Tell the listeners where to come and find you
2: absolutely so um as i said earlier the channel name is benji's hobbies you can find me on youtube you can find me on instagram you can find me uh, a little bit on twitter but not so much um but yeah go go and check out my videos i'd I'd really love it if you uh let me know what you you thought um as i said not a lot of it is uh middle earth related at the moment but it is going to probably get gradually more that way as, as time goes on um so yeah go and give me a subscribe and uh, and check out my back catalog I'd, I'd really appreciate it
1: yeah I'd definitely rec- recommend the um the the troll uh yeah we've done recently regarding yeah, well,
2: the, you, you and I had a bit of a chat about that before i uh, before I, I kind of scripted that video as well, didn't we? it was um yes. just uh, it was a very kind of difficult one to come to a conclusion on, so it was it was just nice to chat to other hobbyists about it and how they what they thought about it as well,
1: yeah, definitely. so um I would recommend everyone who's listened to this go out and check that out and have a little think for themselves, put pop some comments in. Pop a like on and um, it's, a, it's a good debate to have. It's a really interesting debate to have. And I really enjoyed that video. So I think
2: yeah. it's becoming ever, ever more relevant.
1: Uh, yeah, i definitely say so. Um, people are coming off the, the fence on the matter and starting to uh, get stuff printed or decide never to do it. So it's, it's a really interesting uh, topic of conversation. So well worth a watch. Well, uh thank you for taking time out of your your Saturday morning for me and for the listeners and uh it's much appreciated. Is there anyone else you'd like to shout out before we uh wrap up?
2: Uh well, there's loads of channels I'd lo- I'd love to shout out, but if uh you know, if, if you're after some more hobby content, go and check out there's a few channels that uh, I I really highly recommend. Uh, Nat One Gaming, oh sorry, Nat One Videos. He does some amazing Middle-earth terrain and Middle-earth inspired terrain. Um uh Luke Luke from Geek Gaming I think everybody probably knows of him but he he makes some amazing videos and very sort of enjoyable hobby content um and and people like you know lachlan from zorp and uh um Oliver from Broadsword Wargaming as well he's uh he's he's a lovely chap and uh, makes some very good hobby content
1: Yeah I've known Ollie for about 20 years he's a he's a good lad
2: Oh have you Oh that's amazing
1: yeah, yeah. Um, i I met uh, him and his two brothers pretty much when I started out in the hobby. Uh, oh, and, fantastic. Yeah. Joe, so, yeah, he's, uh, he's a lovely time. chap. He, he is a good lad, and I'd definitely recommend this video to everyone as well. So um, that's amazing, and thank you so much again for your time there, Ben. Much appreciated.
2: No at all. Thank you for having me.
0: And we're back to close the showdown. I want to say what a fantastic guest match that was. I have no idea what happened. i just not recorded it yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no, I'm sure it'll be brilliant. I know who the guest is, um, but I won't spoil that. I want to say spoil it. It's already happened. God, the timescales and my brain at 11 o'clock at night. Let's move on. Um, so Dan, have you got anything you would, uh, anything or anyone you would like to shout out before we close this showdown?
1: Obviously, uh, once again, thank you to everyone who um, participated, donated, shared, etc. for the uh, yes. calm raffle, the Galadrim. That's, it, I, it won't be forgotten. It's um, some incredible generosity and it's very much appreciated. Um, also the shout out to the usual uh, band of reprobates. We've got, uh, Damien and uh, Thomas Macklin doing the uh, Battle Streams in Middle Earth uh, Fancy Fellowship. Uh, by the time you hear this, Damien should have posted the appendices up on the YouTube channel. Mm. Please go check that out. Obviously, um, he does the Battle Streams in Middle Earth on alternating Fridays uh, with Steve Crow of TTG. Um, I comment what uh, the model is for the next episode, but if you find Battle Streams in Middle Earth on uh, Facebook, you'll be able to find that out. So please do come and join us, it's lots of fun. And speaking of Steve from TTG, he's just put up a competition for um, April, for a painting competition, bit of fun. And the theme this month is purple. So uh, yeah, they're my shout-outs for the month. So uh, thanks very much to everyone for listening.
0: Purple, have I got anything that... I'm trying to think of all the things I've got in my list, and purple does not really come into it, to be honest with you. Did any tiny
1: little American men wear purple
0: <laughs> no 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 <laughs> yeah, well, i'm probably sure someone might have had a purple handkerchief or something who knows no um no um so uh, yeah shout outs wise um oh, i gave don and um north of the Shire the shout out earlier really but do go and echo what I said earlier. Go and listen to that podcast if you if you haven't already. I'm just something I'm really enjoying at the moment. So that's why I'm banging on about it. Um other than that I'll give myself a little plug. So I've I've started putting some YouTube videos up on miniature elves, Um I've never done it before. I've been using um miniature realms on facebook and instagram and twitter for as long as i've run the business um but i've just never used the youtube channel that account's purely been used for my watching channels. so that's what i i comment and like other people's videos with but um never put anything on there um and the first foray into youtube was was with um properly was with out of the frying pan and the way we use ours like i've said many times is a bit of a a sister a bit of a support to this this podcast because it's an audio podcast rather than a than a youtube thing um but I've recently been um, um, playing, a, a, well, I haven't played anything because of lockdown, but I've been dabbling in a new game by Warlord Games, and it's an epic scale um, historical game called Uses the Black Power Rules, written by the wonderful Rick Priestley, so a, a, someone that's close to our hearts in terms of is. but it's a kind of a 15mm scale um, American Civil War Game. Um, I quite like my history, especially Americans Civil War and Apologetics, and and I've done a few videos and and wanted to do a few videos and talk about that. And because that doesn't really fit the Middle Earth remit, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to record a few videos and pop them up on my on the, the my unused YouTube channel. So if you search Miniature Realms, um, if you already follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you'll have seen this anyway. If you don't, go and uh, my links are all in the show notes. And they always are anyway. Go and go and check me out on there if you like the historical war game and that interests you. And as I say, I've uh, a YouTube channel of the same name. I've put a few videos up. I will put other stuff up there as well. It'll probably be where I put everything else other than Middle Earth up there, because I'll obviously put that one out of the frying pan. So the plan is to just use it for business as well as for pleasure. So I might put up client armies and things. So if you like uh, other game systems, it might be worth um, checking it out anyway. But anyway,
1: move on yeah, from that. I definitely that. recommend the uh, – you enjoy watching your videos, and I'm not just saying that. I do find it interesting. I can't say I'm going to be too tempted to do that scale American Civil War, but if they <laughs> did do Napoleonics, that's a bit different –
0: they may well do anyway, and like I said, there's ways of doing that scale Napoleonics with other manufacturers, but that's a conversation for for, for another time.
1: I've got tools to paint, you leave me alone. <laughs>
0: I'm not that I, I am. This is a second project, and I'm not adding a third or a fourth or a fifth project this calendar year. I think, um, it's different to, to SBG, it's not like you get a new faction every um every year they don't rewrite the rule book and you haven't got a meta change with history historical stuff so quite often you collect some stuff and then it sits on the shelf which is great and you crack it out when you need it so next year I may may do a separate historical based um, project but um, I'm not going to go above two at a time I think because it's just I'm not going to, I don't want to take away. I'm using time that I would have been spending playing on my PlayStation rather than time I would have been spent on SPG, if you put it that way. So, um, it's my decision. And what I don't want to do is it ever to kind of get in the way of SPG because I love it. It's my main game. Um, so I'm not going away and doing something else. It is is an extra, um, but I do love my history stuff. So anyway, let's move on. So after I've plugged uh, miniature realms' uh, YouTube channel and social medias, let's do the ones for the show that matter far more. So please don't, if you haven't already, please head over to our Facebook page and give us a like or a follow, um, and join our Facebook group as well. You can follow us on Instagram at ootfp podcast and on Twitter at ootfp. And if you want to go some more old school. You can email us directly at ootfppodcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube as well. There's a link in the show notes there. We haven't put a video up for a little while. I have recorded one that didn't work, and I've had to re-record it. I have recently re-recorded it, and it will be going up. It's hopefully some point next week, but I'm basically um, I'm I'm doing a bit more on SMAG, and there will be lots of smug videos going up soon, little sort of updates and things, which is part tutorial, part kind of, vlog of building it so to speak um i need to get the balrog done so i'm going to pause and get the painted because we need that for our next show for our next scenario Uh, but once that's done my, my before i paint anything else spg i'm just going to work through smalg so hopefully by maybe by the end of april definitely at some point in may smalg will be done and um that should be quite cool something to fun to talk about and you know what that's probably a fun scenario we can play over the internet, Dan. Because there's not, know, doesn't need to be a lot of moving around on that one. <laughs> no, indeed not. Uh, who knows? I'm, I'm painting it for a collection. And I've never really thought about using it that much. But yeah, there's going to be definitely going to be some Smog videos. I was going to do some unboxings of. Um, the new ents and stuff when I got them, but you know Steve unboxed and painted it, so I'm probably not going to bother with that now. Um, but we'll see; you never know. I might, I might just sort still decide to sling a quick video up. It's quite easy for me to whip the camera out and give my thoughts on it. Um, but if I did, it'll be along with something else because um, I think for yes. because lots of people um, will have them in their hands.
1: The paint stripping video is coming. Um, I've started doing bits and pieces, but they got slightly grailed by. uh <laughs> to be a bit more intense with the way i was stripping Aragorn. Than uh, you did some intense stripping very, with uh,
0: Aragorn that can't be viewed. Uh, yes, very very intense. Kind of <laughs> uh, there
1: was a lot of blue language. It's not good. <laughs>
0: a lot of blue language, heavy scrubbing and sweating, and it's just it's not not good for our younger viewers so uh, or older case, viewers or in fact anyone <laughs> no one with a weak heart anyway, <laughs> anyway check all the links out in the show notes thank you for listening um it might be one more month when we have a kind of month-long gap purely because we've got to play a game and record Talk about it, so it takes up two nights. Um, you may get lucky in April, and we have two shows out. Um, but I think April will be the last month with any kind of delay on our stuff, and it's probably about if I if I can get the barog painted quick enough, and um, we'll get it done. But I am away for a few days. We're going on uh, as soon as we can get away. I think legally from the 12th of April or something, you can go away. But only, yes. only with obviously in your own family group. So we're we're going to stay away and not go out anywhere because there's nowhere open still, no pubs or anything. But we're going to self catering somewhere for a few days away. So I won't be near the internet to do anything that week. So and it's Easter as well. So it might mean just because of that kind of stuff, um, we can't get together and and play the game too quickly um, but if that's the case that's the case but you will definitely get the Bridget Hazardum next hopefully it's if you're lucky it'll be the middle of the month and you'll, we'll squeeze in an extra one at the end if not um, normal service should resume from May I think
1: as life starts excellent. to get
0: a lot more normal from May as well it's all going to happen around the same time
1: excellent stuff
0: silence right take care thank you very much we'll catch you soon ah!